0: you're listening to the brand new episode of in love with the process and this is day two of our film quest series and uh before we get into it i gotta point this out man the only fucking reason we're here is because of our friends at puget systems if you're a filmmaker if you're an editor if you need a new computer uh here's here's a big eye opener for you uh you don't have to go into debt and buy yourself a mac or an apple computer you can actually buy yourself a PC. Believe it or not, all of the edit programs and all the stuff and software that you use can be also run on a PC system. And here's the difference. If you buy a PC, you're not getting hardware that's soldered to a motherboard. That means three years from now, when fucking Adobe releases some new update, you don't have to take that computer and throw it in the ocean. You can actually use a PC which is upgradable. You could swap out parts. And one of the best parts about it is that it's an open market when it comes to hardware. That means when there's a new video card on the market, the prices drop within weeks because there's also some competition out there. So I'm not saying that you're smart enough to build your own computer. And if you're not, you should probably go to a company like Puget Systems. What I like about these guys is that they're family run, they're upper west coast, and they don't make product they actually find product and put it together so they don't have a warehouse full of shit that they're trying to peddle off on you i've been using puget systems now for 12 years i think um i've edited every of every one of my last movies on them recently with our new movie that's in the festival now come home i did all the editing on it we shot that airy mini lf massive files it was at least 25 uh tracks of video real time with my Puget System. They're affordable, customer service kicks ass. Did you hear my voice crack? That's because we were out
1: late last night. (laughs)
0: Um, So I can't say enough great things. And Puget Systems has been a supporter of our show for so long now. Uh, And as soon as they heard that we were in the festival with Come Home, they're like, we want to be there with you. We want to help. We want the show to be there with you. And they're responsible for this crazy place that we're staying in and all of the guests that we get to talk to over the next 10 days or whatever it is. So, big shout out to Puget Systems. And if you love the show, and if you don't want to pay for the show, which you haven't had to yet, cuz I know how fucking cheap you guys are. Make sure you go to pugetsystems.com or go to their Instagram account and just leave them a note on any of their posts and say, "Hey man, we love what you're doing, we're in love with the process. Thank you for getting us to Film Quest. You guys rock." All right? That's it. Let me uh Let me start the fucking show, all right? Hold on, here we go. I feel like when you listen to the song there should be like a couple of big bodyguards just like nodding their heads behind us some guy collecting bags of money you know an occasional lady getting smacked around i don't condone it but yeah it's 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 pretty much what's gonna go on in this this is like a nicholas refen track all right so that is mitch murder you are listening to day two of uh, in love with the process film quest series uh joined as always by my buddy um the uh nominated
2: yeah i'm a nominated actor you're
0: a nominated actor now if only they knew yeah (laughs) uh joined by lance today hi hi buddy how are you i'm doing great man lance
3: a williams lance a williams is right it's joining me in the studio. I'm sorry I keep fucking that up. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to call the lawyers, Mike. Or I don't wanna I'm get a call from fucking SAG. Like, yeah. You know yeah, not saying? right now. <laughs> I don't wanna get a call from SAG. They're gonna be like, So you want a podcast? I wasn't promoting anything. <laughs> um, so before we get to
0: our guests, we uh What did we do yesterday? So we did the podcast yesterday, put the podcast out. Um, Jay um, was not only a great guest, but by the time we finished the show, we uh, actually let him stay. He actually staying with us at the house now. We have
3: adopted Jay Scott Worthington.
0: So he is staying with us. And um, he was telling me yesterday that uh, his mom (laughs) listened to the show. Oh, yeah. And uh, she was blushing at how many times we said fuck on the show
3: yesterday. Fuck it.
0: Yeah, she just didn't know. She just didn't know. <laughs> she just didn't know what she was in for. Um, so yeah, we did the podcast yesterday, and then we went and saw a shorts block. Yeah, last the
3: sci-fi night. shorts block That was really cool. Which was great.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what was the uh, the astronaut one that we really liked? It was minus, T minus
3: T minus. Uh, what was that? LM Oliver.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting character. Yes, for sure. For sure. And then um, where did we? we then we uh, went to a pizza meet and greet.
3: Last yeah, time. at uh, Fat Daddy Pizza.
0: Which uh, I discovered that both you and Jay are fucking dickheads about yep. my
3: pizza choices. Yes, because you. <laughs> so we get there, and the two options—the options were like uh, pepperoni, cheese, margarita, and pineapple. So I was like, "Ah, fuck it, we we'll keep it East Coast." Let me, get a, let me get a slice of pepperoni. And Mike says, "I oh, want me the Hawaiian pizza." I was like, what the fuck are you Hawaiian pizza! Why do you want Hawaiian pizza?" <laughs> Because it's got the sweet and the salty on it, man. <laughs> so he busted my balls that, oh, you don't, just because you're on culture, you don't, you don't like Hawaiian pizza. I was like, I liked Hawaiian pizza when I was a kid. <laughs> now I'm an adult, so I don't want fruit on my pizza. Well, look, some of us have a wider <laughs>
0: palate. Some of us understand the science behind, you know, palates and how flavors work. I get it, work. you like a little sweet with your meat. You fucking asshole. <laughs> so anyway yeah i got shit from those guys but we met uh, a bunch of really great filmmakers at the meet and greet last night so far the festival's been great Mm -hmm. uh the movies sound awesome the screening room is a lot of fun to be in yeah um and uh we're slowly learning uh a bit more about provo
3: yeah people it's still every interaction it blows me away how kind people are and even our, our uber driver last night gave us the whole spiel of like oh the difference between kindness and nice and that people are nice, but they're not great when you walk away. But I, I, fuck that, man! Like the interactions we're having, they feel very genuine. We're having great conversations with folks, and I mean, these mm-hmm. are not just people that have come to town for the festival. What I'm talking about specifically, people who are from here yeah. and are in the festival here, and that kind of pride they have around it. I mean, it's it's infectious. It's a very it's a very pretty town. Um, I don't know if I can live here full time.
0: I think I fuck might no. go a little crazy. Um, but you know, it's pretty. And, you know, there is the giant elephant in the room, which is, you know, all these buildings with steeples and yeah. all the crazy yeah. Mormon stuff that is out here, which is very much still a big deal. Yeah. If they if they hear any of these
3: episodes and see us out, we're fucked. <laughs> yeah.
0: What do you think? There's like there's like, gonna be like a cluster of Mormons with fucking switchblades.
3: No, I, I just imagine them all in a row with pitchforks and torches. <laughs> we have to run to the to the fucking uh, to the farmhouse and hide. <laughs>
0: well, you know
3: th- that might. Happen. They're inside.
0: <laughs> Burn them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Potentially, uh, but they're You know, generally it's been it's been cool and it's very gorgeous. It's very beautiful. Um, and we're very fortunate to be here all right enough of that bullshit Um, we are joined by a bunch of guests today in our space and what we're going to do is we're going to walk around one at a time introduce yourself and uh, what film are you guys here for all right so how about hold on a second how about we just pull that mic right off there so just pull it right off and then you guys can handhold it it doesn't look like you guys are stranger to hand-holding something like that. Let's just put it that way.
4: <laughs> Let's grab this clip.
0: There we go. There we go. I think that'll make it easier. Stand by. Um, and here we go.
1: Hello, I'm Dave Lumsden. I'm the director of the short film Lure.
0: Yes, sir.
5: I'm Remo Kitani. I'm one of the producers of the short film Lure.
0: Okay.
6: Uh, Toby Truman. I'm also a producer of the film.
0: So you guys are the producers. So you guys are either saving his ass... Or being a huge pain in his ass. Yes.
6: Both of those things.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and we're also joined by... Hey, I'm Andrew Adams. I'm the writer-director of American Meltdown, which is a dark comedy feature, and it's a micro-budget, so when I say writer-director, I mean that I had like 400 jobs yes, on dude. it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: We can all relate. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, your film is screening exclusively online. Yes. Which we found out today. Yeah. Uh, which which
4: I, I'm just going to say... I'm bummed out about it because the film looks fucking great. It Thanks. looks really great. Yeah, and it plays really well with the crowd, too. Yeah. Like, it's crowd-pleaser. It gets a lot of big laughs and everything. But um, honestly, I'm stoked to be here. Um, I love genre movies, and I've been told by people in the past, like, whatever you do, you have to go to Film Quest. Yeah. So uh, whatever it took to get up here, I'm like, I'm happy. Well, dude, I, I mean, you feel it, right? You yeah. feel this sense of
0: community. You feel the sense of family. I mean... I'm kind of a nerd for shit, and so, like, the fact that they have just pins for alumni and, like, there are different pins for when you come out, mm-hmm. it just, it feels yeah. like it's, you know, it's it's fun. It, yeah. After we do all this fucking work, and then someone watches it on a the phone, they go, hey, yeah, that was really great. At least we could show up to a place like yeah. this and, mm-hmm. and feel respected, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, too... Did I read online that you worked... So, you did a lot of assistant directing work, right?
4: Uh, At times, yeah. But again, it's like the micro-budget world of assistant directing. like, Did you work on mortuary? Oh, yeah. I did work on mortuary. Yeah. So, Ryan and I are buddies. Oh, shit. I went to school with Ryan. He's coming
0: here. Yes.
4: So he'll be here on the first. Actually, is he staying here? Yes. Okay. Cool. Because yes. I'm going to be staying with the producer of Mortuary Collection. Too. Really? So, yeah. So we'll be hanging out. Oh my god! Time. All right. Yeah. So, so you guys going to be on the podcast? Of, of course. He's All right. Be well, on I'm just going to be lurking in like a side <laughs> room. <or something. laughs> yeah. Just keep peeking out of the doorway. Yeah. 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 That, that might be the hot tub podcast. Yes.
0: So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we might be doing it. we might be doing an official soaking party
3: episode. Ooh. <laughs> 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 I love that everyone, I feel like everyone has already figured out what that is in Provo. Uh,
0: uh, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. So we got a lot to talk yeah. about. Um, so uh, let's talk with you guys. So it sounded, we were talking a bit before the show started. You guys had a very short, very easy trip to get here, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it was devastating, I'd say. Don't
0: forget to, like I said, use that microphone like you're doing something. Sure, like yeah. <laughs> so I came from
5: Glasgow, Toby, and uh, Dave came from Edinburgh. So I chose the 36-hour route. Jesus, dude. And uh, <laughs> Toby <laughs> and Dave were about 12. They're, they're amateurs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, it was good. You know, definitely worth the, worth the trip. I'm sti- I don't know what clock my body's on at the moment, but when, when one of the organizers of the festival tells you to go home and sleep, then... <laughs> You know, some something's gone wrong. But like you look like shit, man. Yeah. Go home. Yeah, thank you. This is the, true, the best the best I've ones. looked in three months. <laughs> um, Dave's Dave's nur- nurturing, uh slipped disc.
1: That's right. Yeah, slipped a disc four weeks ago and was told I might not be coming. So that's crazy, man. Yeah, I got a wee needle in the spine and then um, yeah, took a flight. I uh, had approval from the doctors to come, so yeah.
0: So we were talking a bit about that, right? Because yeah. we all, have, you have back issues. Mm-hmm. I've got back issues. I've, mm-hmm. I mean, years of doing camera work. I just, yeah. you know, you fucked. I ended up going to see a guy at one point because my entire body sucked. And he's like, just walk down the hallway. So he watches watches me walk down the hallway, and then I walk back, and then he goes, uh, "Okay," and he sticks a uh, shingle underneath my foot. And he pushes on my thing, and I go, oh, wow, the pain's gone. He's like, yeah, you've impacted your leg. And it's from all the years of, like, settling yourself when you do, like, handheld camera work,
1: just impacts." That's right, yeah. yeah. I got, like, my first one, when I first slipped, it was from carrying camera bags, tripods, when you're doing, like, the first sort of, like, you know, music video stuff, you're like, one yeah. band in it, and you're just carrying everything everywhere and not realizing you're just slamming your mm-hmm. discs to you pieces. You just have no idea, man. Yeah. yeah.
0: It, it, the, and I feel like the last episode... You, you know when you're doing music videos and stuff you're on the fucking hustle and it's usually like the locations like get the fuck out of here and so then yeah. you're grabbing the bag super quick and i remember picking up a case and i was like whoa that's a weird noise it's mm-hmm. like i had the
1: and i was like fuck.
0: and if and, and you know yes i'm 45 years old there's a lot of young listeners out there take warning yeah you know like fucking strengthen your core every time mm-hmm. you pick up a case because you'll end up like us
1: yeah did anyone ever tell you that when you were starting out oh, you better watch that back of yours and then start doing pilates be like yeah whatever I'll, I'll well yeah it yeah right.
0: they, they said like yoga and i'm like i don't want to be a yoga guy <laughs> 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 so i mean i have to join some sort of cult and then we yeah like, we buy pants and shit all the time like what is no i don't want to do that and now now gina my fiance she's she's a. A yoga person that goes into a, like a hundred and fucking eight degree room and I'm like it's, it's like miserable she's
6: like you should do it it's so good for you Ugh. yeah it's yeah <laughs> yes
1: yeah. so, yeah, so we were like you were what near, near pneumonia situation potentially uh, Remo and then Toby was almost coming on his own yeah flying yeah. solo yeah without wow. us, but we couldn't have that so we decided to we're fuck yeah we're here mic. Sharing one mic, yeah. I'm <laughs>
0: excited so how did you guys all meet each other what's the deal
6: so Dave and I met working at a local cinema in Edinburgh in 2002, yeah. so like yeah, 21 years ago uh, and we were both studying film at different unis in Edinburgh, but we uh, got on really well and we just started like, I started as an editor and I was cutting Dave's documentary shorts, mm-hmm. that's kind of how we met really and then I started working for a production company called Hee um, which I now run uh, and then carried on working with Dave over that time And then one thing led to another, and we kind of ended up here. Uh, There's a few more twists and turns in that, but I'll uh, I'll let you guys talk about that a little bit, because it involves getting Remo involved.
1: Hopefully there's cops involved in these twists and turns. It was at some point, yeah. But we'd known each other for obviously years, and we started out, we obviously, like, Toby was cutting all my projects, and we kind of stayed in touch as friends over the years, but we kind of took a while to kind of catch up on work. And then one day, we were doing a sort of talk, um, a university that I do some work at um, Edinburgh Napier and uh, Toby was like oh you know I've got this, this feature that, you know maybe want to do it and he's like what do you think about like rom-coms <laughs> and I was like well you've known me for about 20 years and I've never talked about doing rom-coms <laughs> with you ever it's always been horror or, you know that kind of stuff or, and he was like well you know maybe you should and he kind of went away and i thought well, he was obviously joking you know and I, I sort of i think it was a week and i was walking home in the rain and this all sounds dramatic walking home in the rain and i uh, told called me he was like so where are we at with that rom-com thing have you decided you're going to do it or not and i was like yeah right yeah fair enough let's do it so we ended up doing it and then and i'd obviously never heard like what i was told like we're getting a first on it and uh, then it was remo and then i'd never Met you ever, and then we met on Zoom because obviously we weren't doing in-person sort of meetings. Yeah. And then that's when I first met this guy, and we've only known each other for a
5: year. Yeah, well, a well, year and a half. Year and a half. F- yeah,
1: it's been a long year. Feels a <laughs> lot longer.
5: Um, but yeah, like we we kind of we bonded quite quickly because yes. like very first Zoom call, well, there was a kind of production meeting, and I I think I was probably maybe involved slightly more than what an average first AD was involved in, in during prep. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of our first production meeting. Um, Dave said to me Rem, will, do you, will we just hang back and just stay on the on the call? Just you know, because we haven't met. Yeah, sure. That sounds good. As soon as everybody like went away, like you know, one person, two people, saying bye, bye, then we've just got me and Dave left, and Dave went. So how fucked are we? I was like, <laughs> I was like, all right, give me two seconds. <laughs> but no, it was, it was fine. I mean, it was, it, was, it was good. Yeah. I mean, like rom-com, kind of hallmarky, kind of, it's okay. Sure. You can get yeah. away with low budgets on that. Sure. sure. Was
3: this sure. Uh, Meet You in Scotland or Christmas in Scotland? Meet You in Scotland. You in okay, Scotland. great.
5: Formerly known as Love in Scotland.
3: Love yeah. in Scotland. Gotcha. Well, love, gotcha. Well,
0: love in Scotland. So you started, you were a horror guy first? Yeah. So
1: yeah. at uni, I was doing sort of like experimental horror films yeah and then i did some documentaries which were doing like kind of kung fu doc like interviewing like kung fu fighters in uk oh cool so we worked on that stuff together um and then i did a sort of a boxing documentary where i got beat up for a year which was lovely and then i went and t- I did a post-apocalyptic short film uh called boat which told me cut and uh, that did pretty well i kind of went off and did some uh some festivals and kind of won a bafta a kind of for design award and uh, and then i, I converted actually into a graphic novels so i also write graphic novels oh hell yeah dude yeah Very so cool. i just literally finished the the fifth book and f- like finished the series this year so managed to put that all together and that was just a continuation of the short film i did on, like on boat. so yeah that was really cool and then it was that's was why it was such a surprise when the rom-com check because we've always spoke about wanting to do like a horror film together because sure, like, sure. you know, we've been mm. fans of horror for so many years and then uh, yeah and then meeting remo on this like rom-com film and realizing that we all have the same love of horror. we like, yeah. well, let's just do this. And yeah, we talked about Lure and Well
0: What's things. interesting is, so I've been a horror guy for years. <laughs> and so my joke has always been like, I would either do one or two things. I would either do horror or I would do romantic comedy. Because I feel like the same sort of trickery goes into mm. both those things mm. to get an audience to feel the same way. And I think the two movies are the two genres that I've been in the theater for that are the most fun to see is either horror or rom-com. 'Cause you have like the same level of interaction, mm-hmm. whether it's like crying or whatever sort of craziness that happens, mm-hmm. where it's like, Okay, that's either a scare, someone's gonna get a chainsaw through the throat, or the guy in the movie's gonna admit that he's a piece of shit and the girl really likes him and then she's gonna yeah. start crying about it. Like it's all <laughs> but the same sort of timing that happens there. Uh, I, yeah. didn't know, I didn't
1: know about the formula but until I started doing well we did those two films was the, the meet cute the, all these different like, I never knew the term meet cute was that something that everyone knew what is it meet-cute? meet cute have you heard yeah. this before uh, no I know the meet cute yeah, yeah so, I
4: try so, to reverse engineer meet cutes every day right okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> the, so, so oh, we're gonna come back to that <laughs> yeah we're definitely gonna, yeah that would be good so like I was told that the
1: meet cute is when the, the two love interests meet for the first time in the film Ooh, right. and it has to happen by a certain point it has to be at 12 minutes exactly 12, 12 minutes, 12 minutes. 12 minutes so i was sitting there going like oh make sure you remember about the meat cue. it has to happen at this point i'm like what the hell are they talking about what, what is this meat cue? so anyway that was like there's just all these sort of different formulas that i found quite challenging about like all these like things you have to hit so maybe the horror version that is like first kill has to happen in the mm. first 12 minutes potentially yeah but um but yeah it was just an unusual mix but i get what you mean about it being similar and yeah this is very much about. a formula yeah. and if you
0: get that meat queue wrong then no distribution right it's done <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> the
1: deal yeah 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 there's like there's a lot of other things well, though i can't quite remember the other sort of things you have to hit. There has to be an argument at one point, and then there has to be a
3: reconciliation, and then mm. it all has
1: to happen within certain points or the audience.
3: With those very specific sort of timestamps, did you guys butt, like, sort of butt up against that initially, or did you just go, fuck it, these are the rules and this is how it succeeds, so just lean into it? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly.
6: So I think like, you know, we, were, we were operating as service producers on, on, on you know working with Real One Entertainment on these. So like, they would come to us with the script, and then they allowed us to the flexibility to sign of change the script and adapt it for production. Cause we, like with the budgets that we had, we were shooting like 10 pages a day. We? Yeah. We were really like moving quick. Insane. So, um, you know, we were pretty prepared going in for exactly what we knew we had to cover, mm-hmm. um, but it kind of goes, you know, it's a really good foundation for then moving on and doing, you know, lower budget horror. Right? Yeah. It's really good training wheels as it were for that. Yeah. But yeah, so like, yeah, just in terms of the structure and getting everything, we just plowed through. Um, mm-hmm. But that, that's because that's this guy works a meticulous set. So um, yeah, yeah, Remo kept us on good form. Yeah, I mean, fourteen and six
5: eighths pages. Just so you know, was was the was what we talked out at. No, actually, actually, I think we had a pick at one point. So maybe sixteen and one eighth, 1 eighths. Maybe the records. Fucking it, fucking Jeez. assistant but directors. <laughs> <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> but moving on. <laughs> what? To be fair, I mean, well, I mean, like, we didn't fall out really. N- not really. Not no, really, no, 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 we didn't. Yeah. No, that's that's why I, I, I'm doing lure. With these guys is because you know when you're filming that much a day Mm. you you i mean like pre uh, pre, you you make films well i mean blocking you've no time for blocking so you do this weird pre-block thing where the cast are like kind of getting away getting changed for the next scene Mm -hmm. um you have to shoot set by set, so we, everything in the film is in this set. We just so go get another costume change, and Dave and I just literally act out the entire scene. Even if there's six characters in it, we'll play all six characters, and we'll run about and say, "Right, we've got to be here. We've got to be here at this point there." Then they've got to leave. That's fine, brilliant. Okay, cast come in. Then we're all relaxed again. Oh, do you want to come in? Yeah, let's have a wee read. So oh, shoot, shoot yeah, immediately, yeah. please. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But it was, it, you know, when when things get rid- ridiculously stressful, to be able to laugh through it. Mm-hmm. This, right, these are the people I want to make films with the rest of my life right much. on 100% dude right I
0: feel on. the same way sets are supposed to be fun and like it, every set that you go on uh there's always that one person that's like treating it as if there's a fucking body on the table and you're doing heart surgery and you're just like dude why are we what the fuck are we doing this for or Like,
1: I totally I, I get that or that feeling when you get there and there's a person that almost Saying they want it to fail is a bit much, but it feels like they do. Yeah, it's yeah. Like they're ready to just say, "Well, I told you this was wrong. I told yeah, you this was exactly. going to go right. yeah. yeah, this isn't how it was going to be. I knew it. I would have told you." You know, and you get a lot of that chat, and I think that just drains the energy from you, and that's the last thing you need on yeah, set. Yeah, for sure. Well,
0: if you have someone like that that shows up on set, you know what is a really good energy booster? With that is that you get your entire crew to pick them up and lock them in a trunk. Like that's that's true. a lot of fun because then <laughs> everybody starts to laugh. Everybody has a great time. They might suffocate in that trunk, which is even more fun. Mm-hmm. And then you can make your movie the way you want to make your movie. Yeah. It's a good
3: tip actually. We should maybe get your PAs, them. put them on lockup. They don't come out the truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna get cancelled for that
1: one. Um,
6: <laughs> yeah. Should be said though, like uh, the, the the crew that we've got for for lure has was incredible. Like like we did, you know, we did the two the two features, and um, we we had the backup of a lot of the team back at home base at Hijo HQ. Yeah, um, and then the all you know, separate heads of department coming in freelance crew. And they brought that A-game for Lure. And it was because we we went through those two features and we really sort of gelled. So it was a lot of the same people came back for the short. That's great. And it's like, you know, now we've got the solid platform. Um, We used it to launch our scripted label, Nicky Ben. Uh, And that's going to be the platform for us later Projects using the same team. So So
0: let the audience know, because I don't think we talked about Lure. What is Lure about? Tell us a little bit about the movie.
1: So Lure is a short horror film about a, a young backpacker who's run away from home. And uh, he finds work on an old rundown farm called Muirbrig, Muirbrig, where he suspects the farmer of abusing his daughter and wow. uh, tries to intervene, and it all goes a little disastrously wrong. That sounds so, awesome, yeah. man.
0: I can't wait to see it, man. Yeah, um, that sounds
1: awesome. It's a rom com. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Can you yeah. walk us through the meat cute for that? <laughs> I want it is one at three minutes. But, uh, yeah, but it's, uh, it's, it's a proof of concept for a feature that we're. Um, we've written. it's been written by Ronnie McIntosh who wrote the short and I've worked with Ronnie before on a few projects and um, yeah he's done a great job so yeah just is really this, Is
0: this your first uh, proof of concept?
1: No I did a proof of concept for another short but it wasn't necessarily like a, one that you would put out to festivals it was like a small scene so yep. it was just like a scene that wouldn't which was, a, it was actually a reason why this one I was really keen to give it a start middle and end so we could send it to festivals because sometimes you get approached that, oh do a scene we don't need to see a full film but then what can it just sort of sits on a shelf. So right. that's why when you get something like this project, we're really keen to give it that start the lens. So we could go to places like FilmQuest and like meet other filmmakers yeah. themselves and just chat yeah. about it and just yeah. you know just have a little more fun with it. We'll
0: come back to that because I have a lot to say about proof of concept yeah. stuff. But sure. I don't want you to be sitting here and we're not talking about no. Andrew. What's going on, dude?
4: I'm just soaking it up. Man. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean,
0: so what's interesting and fascinating about what you've done is you've sort of crossed into doing. Is this your first
4: feature yeah, that you're doing? Yeah, first feature. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so. Uh, where'd you get the balls to do the feature? (laughs) Yeah. So I had just wanted to make features forever and I was trying to crack it. I kept writing stuff that was way too big and then I'd get into fundraising. And when I say get into fundraising, I mean like I would ask my friends if they knew what to do and everyone (laughs) would be like, no man, sorry. So I just felt super lost. And then COVID hit, I like lost my job, didn't know how to pay rent, got stressed out. And when we all thought it was going to be like a two month long experience, I was like, Mm -hmm. ah, fuck it. I'll just go make something. And so i just started working on this project and then it became like the passion project over covid
0: nice yeah. nice nice there sort of hits a point with that with a project like that where you go oh this is actually worth my time and i don't care if i don't if i go broke
4: and yeah it me. was fun like it was really when i started sharing the script with people uh kind of to be like i don't know what do you think is there something here um my first thought was that i was just gonna go make it on iphones if i had to but then more and more people would be like, wait, but I want to be involved. I want to help this. Yeah, that's and great. so like steadily we just got to make it bigger and bigger. And it was never gigantic, but like we pulled together some really passionate people and we got to pull off something that I think is really cool considering how little we had to make it with.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm curious and you don't have to answer this, this question on the microphone because I know if you're trying to sell it, that'll be a, a thing, but like it's a micro budget. Correct. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, we go back and forth on, like... Cause yeah. we're proud of how little money we made it for, and we're told to, like, not... Well, he's he's lying much right much now. You guys made it for a decent amount of cash. For yeah, millions and yeah, millions yeah, yeah. of dollars. Yeah, so you gotta recoup all that money yeah, yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But do you want to know the budget? Should we just get into it? Oh, I mean, it's up to you, brother. I don't, we don't have yeah. to say it all on right. the microphone. So we made it for 70000 Okay. Total. All right, all right. Great. Um, yeah. So not a no-budget movie, but a micro-budget. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. How many days did you shoot? Um... Nineteen. I say that like hesitantly because the last three days or something were super scrappy. Like, oh, we need this insert, so it was like me and the yeah. DP, like yeah. you know, going into my living room and being like, I don't know, do something with your hands. Which sounds wrong. So is that the, yeah. the same movie? or yeah, no, that was our meat cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, good, good, good. <laughs> but yeah, so we meant to do it for fourteen days, and um, what we found is like our crew was so small, we were really. Happy with the quality of what we were able to pull off, but we were moving really slowly. Um, but at a certain point, I was like, oh, it's like $1,000 to a day to add more time. Yeah. Uh, and it was so cheap that I was like, all right, let's just keep going. Yeah. So we added another five days over the course of it.
0: That's great, too. Yeah. And how long is the the whole piece?
4: Uh, 82 minutes. 82 minutes. Yeah. Man, Jesus
0: Christ, how many pages a day were you shooting?
4: Um, Well, it depends on the day because um, the whole thing was like reverse engineered to be shootable. So there, it's a... It was inspired by, like, Before Sunrise and stuff to make it very, mm. like, dialogue-heavy. Um, but then I got bored with a lot of that. Mm. And I was like, oh, but we need fun, so let's have a study cam day and mm. stuff. So we had certain days that would be more ambitious where we'd do, like, three pages, and then other days where we'd shoot, like, 12 pages of dialogue to kind of balance it out. Sure. Um, so the whole movie kind of, like, ebbs and flows through these, like, little moments with more production value, and then it'll go into a lot of that's cool. dialogue and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah.
0: So then... Um so, like, uh, were you guys shooting it natural? Like, I mean, how are you lighting this stuff like <laughs> yeah. in that? In that uh, magic. Um, yeah. <laughs> so,
4: yeah, uh, the DP, his name is Mark Evans. Um, he's nominated for Best Cinematography here, and I'm so stoked for him because, like, he basically did it alone, and for him to be competing with movies that I, I don't know, seem like there's some million-dollar competitions that he's, like, up against, yeah. I'm very proud of him. He also shot another movie, New Life, that's playing here. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, he's just a badass, and... Uh, a lot of people didn't want to sign up for our project because it was so small and scrappy. They're like, you can't do it. It's not possible, mm-hmm. uh, which actually wound up being a really cool filter because it meant that the people who did sign up mm-hmm. really cared. Smart. Um, but yeah, Mark read it. We'd um, worked together on a few like tiny branded things. Had never really done a project of anything close to this scope together before. But um, he read it, we met up, and like I could just feel the passion that I had for it instantly. And he was like pitching ideas. And mm. um, even though we really didn't have any budget, he was like, listen, we have to do proper prep. And he was telling me about like taking weeks off of work so that we could just sit and storyboard and everything. And he just cared so much. I was like, oh God, I gotta work with this guy. Yeah.
0: That um, had that prep work out for you.
4: It was great. Like yeah. we had... Uh, a lot of the crew mentioned that we were like an incredibly prepared shoot um we just had everything planned uh mark used this program i don't i forget the name of it um he'll be around this week so you can ask him sure but uh it's basically it uses the same engine that like grand theft auto uses unreal, unreal. I guess. Yeah, 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 and yeah and you yeah. can like place character you can build environments and then place digital characters in it and then go pick a camera and like just change the lens and you get, like, these really kind of, like, horrifying, uncanny valley creations. (laughs) But uh, you can, like, just place lights around it and kind of fool around. Like, where do I want to, I don't know, put the... Yeah, it's like a. It's almost of, like, yeah. a, uh, pre-vis. It's yeah, like a pre Yeah, walkthrough. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we used that for our storyboards, but it wound up being super helpful because he could start to play with lights in advance, just to be yeah. like, and and nothing too crazy. Like he was in the moment still, you know, tweaking, tweaking. Mm-hmm. But he would just know going in, like, well, the window's on that side, and I already planned to put a light over there. And so we were just so ready um, that we were able to pull it off, and uh, it almost killed him. <laughs> so <laughs> he was very tired by the end. But um, yeah, he basically had an AC and a um, uh, guy who we he's credited as our first AD but he was also he was just like a 22-year-old Frenchman <laughs> He was great and he was he lifted everyone's spirits and he was like the grip and the gaffer and whatever we needed him to be um, so that team of three people basically Shit. Uh, made wow, it wow so, dude yeah.
0: that's fucking great man so then um uh, see i'm fascinated with because i'm I'm thinking about doing a a feature that is like real raw dog yeah and i I, you know i feel like you know it's either gonna be amazing or it's gonna just fucking kill you like yeah (laughs) (laughs) well it's
4: Um, it will probably kill you, but but it's worth it. There's this like weird thing. I don't know if you guys experienced this, but, um, the act of like making the feature would start to impress people, even if they hadn't seen it. And so doors were starting to open where they'd be like, Oh yeah, you, you got a feature. Cool. We'll set you up with this manager or whatever. Yeah. And it was Mm -hmm. weird. It was like this magic trick. They literally did not have to see it. Just knowing that you had done it was enough yeah to change things and so i think it's really worth going out and making a feature even if it's super scrappy um just so you can tell people you did it they're probably not going to watch it they're just going to hear that it happened and, and they're like, like cool, cool we'll check
0: email." Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 i get that fucking it's like i've been directing for like what 20 something years and yeah like have you
4: done a feature i'm like
0: i've been
6: directing for like 20 something yeah. yeah i've seen like mm-hmm.
4: I, I need to see more of your stuff i'm excited to see you come home but like the, what i have seen the production value is insane and it's so beautiful it's thanks, lush man. Like, thanks It's awesome
0: yeah 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 i'm a, we're um, i'm a masochist when it comes to doing that kind of thing and i like to beat myself up <laughs> yeah um but you know we've like for years and years uh you know music videos is like a really good training ground for that kind of thing and uh, i don't know you guys seem to have done music video stuff and um you know, you end up, I was doing a lot of stuff for like uh, heavy metal and hip hop and all that shit and what I, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very abusive fucking business. Like the b- big surprise, the, the music business sucks, right? Yeah. And so, what ends up happening is they call you or if you're, lucky enough you put in a fucking treatment that goes into a pile of treatments and then some like tired rock stars on a bus going Wah! and he's like trying to filter his way through these and then they <laughs> randomly pick yours because it's a last minute move and they're like cool you need to shoot this in two fucking days and so then you are, are trying to put together a really cool cinematic look with nothing and you're running around and so you just end up building this toolbox of cheats and so it's like this big cheat toolbox and i spent a lot of years as a When I first started, I was a cinematographer for a while. So, like, I've got those tricks. And so the stuff that you... When you look at our stuff and you think it looks really fucking cool, it's because there's a lot Mm -hmm. of tricks that that make it look really cool. So,
4: um, To bring it back to Mortuary Collection real quick. So the reason I worked on it, I love what Ryan does. And I can actually see visually like a lot of similarities between you Ryan and Ryan and, and I, I yeah. Ryan it. and I are. Um, with that, Yeah. Yeah. And I basically, when I found out Ryan was making a feature, I was like, I just want to be involved because I want to watch what you do and figure out what those tricks are and yeah. how to make it more cinematic. Mm. So. Yeah. We have like, we'll
0: go to like a uh, red line and uh, back at home in LA and just sit at the bar and be like, okay, why are you doing this? Yeah. Like we both have mm. speak the same fucking language. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, re- I'm pumped that he's coming here because I respect his work. Even the stuff that he did for that... Uh, what is it? Quibi? Is that what we figured out when it was yeah, called? Yeah. yeah he yeah. did that Sam Raimi stuff for yeah. Quibi. That was fucking
4: awesome. Yeah, it's fun. Gear down, Big Rig. I love that fucking line in that movie. Gear down, Big Rig. Yeah. <laughs> that that line line, down, big rig. yeah. so good. <laughs>
0: um, <clears throat> so, cool, man. Well, congratulations on uh, you know having a feature shot. Yeah, Sean. thank you. Yeah, And it looks rad. I mean, yeah. it looks like the trailer's got a lot of energy to it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah.
4: it's And we've been trying to figure out how to market it. Because, like... I knew that I didn't have to raise money. So I had a very, like, fuck it mentality. Like, I'm just gonna do whatever entertains me. So it pivots from drama to comedy to it's sort of thrillery, suspense crime stuff. It just does whatever it wants. But so it's hard to explain to people. And yeah, the trailer, we, like, lean into the more... Thrillery feeling yeah. stuff, but it's also like a comedy at a time. That's what we discovered watching it with people. It's like, oh, it's super funny. You
0: could tell by like just the posturing and the performances of a lot of your yeah. actors mm. in the trailer. I'm yeah. like, okay, this will be funny. We, we
4: basically just tried to cast the funniest people we could find and then ask them to play it seriously and do a drama. But yeah. because of that, it's just full of jokes. Yeah. yeah. Where'd you shoot? Um, we had a main location in Topanga, so like a third of our shoot was one house in Topanga. Then we had one week that in order to like try to make it feel big. I hate when micro budgets feel locked into one I place. I do too. Yeah. I fucking hate that. So um I just got a lot of like free natural locations. Like we went to a mountaintop one day and the beach and a park. So there's a lot of scenes that'll break it up just to like have exteriors. So that was one week just going everywhere. And then there was another week that was just like friends' houses and you know some office spaces we could rent and things. So yeah.
0: it helps when it's like a small crew, and yeah. I'm sure that's like the, a lot of like dramatic sequences and dialogue sequences. That definitely that yeah. definitely
4: helps. Yeah, we were able to pull it off somehow.
0: Yeah, man, that's great, yeah. dude. And so then, what's the goal with it now? Are you trying to get distro?
4: Yeah, um, we are, and we're um, figuring it out. We are. We just signed with a sales agent, and so we are like starting to develop a plan to go figure out distribution. Um, we feel good. Like I'm not. I don't know. I don't have any big leads, but I'm just like, whatever, we'll figure it out. But uh, the honest goal was just to make more. So I'm trying to figure out what's next, how to meet people. And I love horrors and I want to move into horror. So that's another reason I was excited to be here.
0: Well, that's the interesting thing, right? Because when you're talking about romantic comedies, or if you're talking about strange dramas or thriller dramas, you're like, okay, if I do a micro budget, if I do something small, what is ultimately the to distro plan for that and yeah. where is it ultimately going to end up and like it seems like you know getting on like larger streamers and shit is very dependent on whether or not you have mm. a face that people recognize in the movie and so that, that seems pretty difficult and i think with a horror world you you've got a bit more leeway with it it's like as long yeah. as it's fucking scary and as long as it's crazy and as long as it's got a lot of gore in it there is a distribution outlets out there do you guys find that that's the same thing and how are you guys tackling that shit
4: yeah, I mean, we're having trouble because um, yeah. we don't have stars and we pivot genres and so uh, it's a little hard to pin down and we don't have stuff that seems marketable. When I look at it, I don't know. Like it's, What I've taken away from it is like, it's a good movie. People respond to it if they see it, but we're missing that thing that gets them into Yeah, the like screening. what is the promotions for? Yeah. 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 Um, I have found that, yeah, horror just seems easier to distribute because people don't care about the stars. They just care about the concept and so if you have a good idea, I think yeah. you can sell it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we're trying to navigate what to do when it's not genre.
0: Yeah. What about you guys with the romantic comedy stuff?
6: Well, that was, um, that was like, uh, handed back to Real One. And then, you know, they 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 handle all that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I know that it's in, I think it has a home now in the US, the first film. We've only just delivered the Christmas film. Um, well Christmas
0: one, is its own genre within itself right
6: yeah right I'm never doing it again <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I didn't even produce that one that was my colleague Penny back at Hee Haw she produced that one um, uh,
0: our film is kind of a Christmas movie yeah actually. yeah yeah,
3: yeah the idea is like that you know will it die hard or lethal weapon one like right? this is something that you know when Christmas time comes right there's this replayability just naturally built into it because if you're a fan of the movie then the holiday comes you go
4: ah, I'm in the mood to watch yeah, that yeah. again and yeah. you get little twinkly lights everywhere yeah yeah yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. <laughs> But I think what we, you know, what we have, and one of the reasons why we're over here is obviously Scotland. You know, Scotland's Mm -hmm. such an incredible destination. Location. Stunning. Uh, The cities are amazing. You've got incredible contrast between like, you know, loads of productions are shooting in Glasgow because you could fake it for New York. Um, We've got all the old history, Gotham, yeah. We've got all the old history in in Edinburgh, and then you've got the Highlands um, as well as everywhere else. So it's, it's, we're really trying to like move in on that. Uh, and one of the big reasons for us being out here is because we wanted to uh, meet people in distribution in the States because States is a target market for us after yeah. after the home, after the homeland as it were. Um, so we're very much sort of like looking at the, the feature with that in mind, making sure it is gonna be a, a, a commercial proposition for us because we're building the label, we've got an idea for a slate, uh, and we wanna make this a, a, a sustainable enterprise exporting Scotland. The places where mm. people might receive it, because the reason why we got the the last two features with Real One was that they wanted to start shooting films in Scotland because oh. there is an audience for that here, um, and we thought, wow, well let's carry on moving on that, but doing something that we want to do and where we end up owning the IP as well. Yeah, of course it's smart. Any of it once it's gone, so
0: yeah. yeah, it's smart, man. That's smart. And does is there uh, any uh, financial support that comes from the government over there? Is there is there anything in that?
6: It's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy. Um, we haven't yet explored it. Um, we all have various sort of, uh, you know, history with, um, you know, that that in the past. I know that they are trying to move more into genre. Previously, it's maybe been a little bit more drama led. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we also believe that we can probably, hopefully, just get it done without that. Sure, sure, um, sure, But let's see. Let's see. We are at the start of this journey. So when we start building out the, the, the package and we start making people and see if we can build it out.
5: Yeah. To be fair, to Creative Scotland, which is the the, the government-led uh, body over there, um, whilst they, they, did, they didn't really have a history of investing in genre per, per se, they are starting to, but also they did kind of help subsidise this trip. Yes. no, you nice. Know, no, because, you know... Wonderful. Yeah, so, like, I, you know, because we're coming to America and it means if, if we do find any investment in the feature from America, it's bringing it into the Scot- Scottish country, which helps us during this difficult time, yeah, yeah. strikes and such, and also uh, means that... Um, it, it then export Scotland, like Toby was saying as well. So yeah. you know, there's, there's, they've got their critics, but they have, they're starting to help with genre and things like that. As well
0: yeah, I ask that question because oftentimes, because we, I hear from here in the US, the US doesn't give a fuck about you. So like, they're, they're not giving you any help you know what I mean like they, you might have tax incentives if you mm-hmm. go from state to state but it always feels a little slimy feel yeah. Like, yeah so like uh, whatever I hear about uh, you know y- Europe and how the in theory according to what we hear is that they actually care about the arts and they help finance the arts and stuff like that there's a bit of envy and jealousy that comes <laughs> <coming>. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <laughs>
3: you were mentioning the strikes a second ago. are you guys feeling the effects of that in Europe as well or or is that specifically in Scotland
5: yeah, it's more. It's kind of a strange trickle down effect because mm. th- there's there's a lot of work that indirectly will come from the states. Yeah, there's also a lot of actors now over in Britain who are part of SAG over here because I mean a great example for Scotland is Outlander. Yeah. Outlander's quite big in America. It's actually much bigger in America than it is in Scotland to be honest. But um, and we we will use. Cast members from these kind of shows to help us get distro, or to you know, mm-hmm. to help us, uh, when we're making our films, and they're all part of SAG, and yeah. some of them are just in solidarity with SAG, which sure. is understandable. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think there's a kind of negative trickle down effect from the strikes, even even though the writers' ones over this, even the actor ones still affecting
2: right.
0: the time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it makes sense. It kind of decimated everything over here, like everything, and all the support industries and all the folks, and you just see it all get affected and and i think a, a lot of people don't acknowledge how many people have actually gone out of business yeah how many people have like lost their gigs and the, like rental houses that have shut down and like it's been pretty intense with all this stuff and um you know fucking greed
4: hmm. yeah it's causing a huge makeover in our industry yeah it really is it'll probably be really eye-opening when we all get back and we're like trying to for go sure. rent equipment and we're like wait where'd they go yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure
0: dude And that, or like you know you're calling up you know, that key grip that you always use and he's yeah. like yeah I had to sell the truck to yeah. people, feed my family you know what I mean And you're mm. like, so it's, it's gonna be a big deal alright well hold on guys let me take a half second break here I'm gonna do some ad reads I'm gonna do all this live so I don't have to edit later <laughs> uh, so hold on a sec here yeah, let's get some uh, and I'll leave the mics open so that anybody can talk let's get some music going here mm. Here we go. Here we go. A little code electro.
3: It's nice. It feels like cop music. Future cop.
0: Yeah, but it's also like a cozy sweater in a certain way. It's like an internal... It's a cop sweater.
3: in a cozy sweater. Yes. <laughs> Steven Seagal.
0: All right. All right. So this show wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors. And uh, stick around. Please listen to these ad reads because uh, I'll have people chime in. Um, also um, make sure that you are following me on Instagram at Mike Petchy and following the podcast on Instagram at in love with the process pod that's a love with the process pod on Instagram uh, we'll be putting up pictures we just did walkthroughs of this house that we're staying in we have videos yeah. up there of that I uh, just reposted the trailer for come home this morning because I hadn't done that in a few weeks and a lot of you lazy folks that don't like to scroll down like three or four pages are like did you even post a trailer Mm. i'm sorry your attention span is so fucking short um so yeah we reposted that that's up there and uh you know that's the place to give me suggestions and comments and feedback on the show if you think that i say fuck too much on the show let me know I've already done this poll once. Yeah, yeah. I did a poll where I'm like, should I clean up the show? And everybody's like, fuck no, fuck no, fuck no, fuck
3: no. <laughs> I love that that was the response. Everyone responded in kind. <laughs> me like in love with the process. Bingo. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the show's gonna change to go fuck yourself is what. It's <laughs> uh, so um, make sure you're following me on Instagram. Okay, so supporting the show, our friends over at Fujifilm. Now you've heard me talk about it before. Fujifilm makes some of the best cameras out there in the market. Me and Gina both use their GFX100S. We use their X-H2S, I think it's the rig, uh, for video. And they have the new GFX100 II on the market, which is a new large format camera. It competes with some of the big boys. I won't say the competitors' names. It's very affordable. Uh, The uh, Fujifilm color profile is stunning. It's an amazing color profile. Um, and the, just the idea that you can afford a large format camera that you just have as your B camera sitting in your house, sitting next to you at your edit station and you're looking at your shit going, I need two more cutaways. Can I call the DP in and we can do some shit with our hands and you can shoot it with a large format camera, which would be great. Um, so, uh, besides, the, so check the links out in the description of this episode, go look at that new camera. I can't say enough great things about it. Um, And if you've been listening to this show, you know that Fujifilm uh, and I have teamed up to do their Fujifilm Creator Series, which showcases all the filmmakers that Fujifilm finances their films on. So Fujifilm actually finances short films. All the filmmakers in here are going, what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they do this. Um, You can actually apply and have your stuff potentially financed through Fujifilm. You guys should look into that. They really do give a shit about us as filmmakers, and they, all the other companies listen up because these guys do it right. They know that investing in films and filmmakers means that they're going to have lifelong friends and lifelong clients. Mm. So instead of just handing out pieces of gear to do online unboxing experiences that no one really fucking gives a shit about, maybe what you should be doing is doing the same thing. Maybe you should take a note from what Fujifilm does and help finance a lot of us young filmmakers out there to make our pieces that show up in festivals like this, like Film Quest. And then if you're smart, like Puget's smart, helping us do this thing, then you get to meet all these filmmakers, you make lifelong content, lifelong uh, connections, friendships, Uh, so Fujifilm. Man, I flubbed it through the back end of that one. Fujifilm. <laughs> Who, I can't say enough great things about those guys.
3: Also supporting the show. Oh, did you have to jump in? Then what did you want? I was just going to say, it's such a cool testament to them to like to give back to the people that use their product.
0: Well, yeah. 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 But more importantly... Okay, so now we're on a tirade. So more importantly... So I went and I hung out with the dudes over at Fujifilm when they were building out their first camera. And they brought in a bunch of us filmmakers. And they're like, how do you like this camera? What would you like from a camera? What would you see with the camera? And it's like, okay, in theory, while we sit here in the boardroom, these are the different things that we want, but give it to me when we're on set. Give Mm -hmm. it to me when we're running around trying to shoot for 14 days, and we barely have anything, and is this thing gonna constantly turn on or turn off? Am I gonna have some random fucking format issue? Mm -hmm. Like, can I have this thing run and keep up with us? Um, And so part of them doing this is that their techs are also there on set so that they can learn as they go.
3: Oh, that's cool. And they can
0: adjust as they go so they start to build the cameras that actually function wicked smart it's a very smart move victor and all those guys over there are very smart so fujifilm good ad read <laughs> also supporting the show our friends over at black magic so you do a lot of editing
6: right uh we do a lot of editing at heeho and i started in post but i haven't actually edited in like 10 years
0: so what are you what were you cutting on all the time
6: for Lur, oh back in the day yeah yeah it's final cut final cut yeah and Lure, and it's did, not anymore now it's Pro. did you cut lur
1: I did not.
0: Uh, what did you guys cut it on? Our
1: editor Ian Miller cut in um, Premiere.
0: In Premiere, yeah, in Premiere. So yeah, I did. I cut Come Home in Premiere as well, and then I color graded it all in Resolve. So Resolve. I did all my color grading. You guys did that, right? Yeah. So Resolve is a a great program. They're actually trying to compete now, and they're trying to become an edit program. And a lot of their stuff in their editor is pretty interesting. They have a lot of new AI technology that helps sync things pretty quickly. And also a lot of like bin logging and stuff that's fascinating now. And now you can like edit with like transcripts. So you can actually go through and take words out of transcripts, and I'll actually put cuts in it seems weird
1: to me Oof, yeah it seems, seems really yeah. weird to me skynet yeah
0: exactly Ooh. i mean it, it, i find that very useful if you're doing doc stuff right yes. you're trying to run that through but um for narrative i don't know um but anyway what a shitty read this is black, <laughs> black magic resolve i used on come home and i was able to do all of my color grading on that piece which required uh, some pretty extensive work and we did all of our compositing Uh, We actually shot with a real snow machine and then we did some snow effects inside that had to be composited. We did all that real-time full res on our Puget system using DaVinci Resolve. And there's an article coming out, I don't know when, I think they're running late on it. There's an article coming out where they asked me uh, how we shot Come Home and uh, we used the Blackmagic 6K Pro camera as our B camera, which was very useful for all the macro stuff that we did that I've been kind of known for. And when I was uh, basically sitting in the edit room and cutting this piece, since we shot it in our garage, I would find that I'd have gaps in performance and spots that I needed to have a change. So I'd just call Lance up, he'd come to the house, and I was able to pick up my black magic camera. We would run into the shed, and we'd shoot out these sequences. So a lot of our favorite shots in the movie were actually mm-hmm. shot on the black magic camera.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, it's great. The, what's important here, and I just want to continue to remind you listeners, Is that it doesn't fucking matter what gear you buy they're all tools they're all shovels you're going to dig a hole you buy a bunch of shovels you're going to rake a yard you get a rake for it but uh each one of these tools have their pros and cons and their benefits so you don't need to own any of these to be a great filmmaker but it's always nice to hear what other filmmakers are using and what we use these tools for and my suggestion as a director and as an old cinematographer, make sure you have a great camera that's sitting next to your desk at all times that you can always pick up and go out and shoot and do tests and do B cam stuff. And uh black magic, six K pro is great for that. And Fujifilm's cameras are also great for that. Two great companies. Um, Make sure this music's still going. I'm doing everything live today. Too much going on. <laughs> uh, who else? Oh, yes. And uh, also supporting the show are friends over at Boca Rentals. One of the most important things you should do as a filmmaker is uh, make a relationship with your local rental company. And if you do that before you have a project, that's a smart move. You get on there, you hang out, you have some beers, you, you learn who these guys are. They teach you things. Uh, You get to get your hands on the newest, ladies' equipment. And then in that friendship, you'll probably get deals on rental prices and everything else. If you guys are in Los Angeles or Las Vegas, the company that we use all the time is Boca Rentals. Um, These guys have any sort of camera support stuff that you could ever want or need. Their infrastructure or their, I'm sorry, their inventory on anamorphic lenses and specialty lenses is stunning and amazing. So any of those great shows that you watch on Netflix, any of those movies, like you want the lenses from the Batman, you want the lenses that they used to shoot you on Netflix, they have all that stuff available. You can get down there, you can play with it. Bring down one of your Fujifilm cameras, bring down that new camera, that large format camera, get yourself a PL mount lens adapter and try out all these lenses. And then uh, it's all about prep, 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 man we were just saying how great prep is and many of you that are listening to the show you guys do commercials and you do corporate stuff and all those producers on those jobs hate to pay for prep so go down and do your own prep before you do a shoot and the only way to do that is to make friends with your local rental house and like I said in Los Angeles or Vegas not on the strip but in Vegas make friends with the dudes over at Boca Rentals
4: All right. I've used Boca too I can vouch for them have you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're great, great, right?
2: Yeah.
0: I love those guys. Um, they uh, helped us, well, they support the show, but they helped us get gear for Come Home. Cool. And like I said, we shot that with the Arri Alexa Mini, and then we used the Atlas Orion series anamorphics. And since that's a large format chip, our film is even wider. Yeah which is
4: great. That's what we shot Meltdown on too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I
0: fucking love those lenses, man. Like that 24 millimeter that's got that macro, getting nerdy. (laughs) Um, So Boca Rentals, check them out. Finally, if you love the show and you're a newcomer to the show, welcome. And if you're uh, someone that is too lazy to go back to episode one and listen to all the shows, then I shun you. But uh, if you are lazy, you should just go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There I curate all the episodes based upon subject material. So if you want to listen to the director's episodes, you want to listen to cinematographer episodes, you want to listen to chef episodes. If you want to listen to my uh, Los Angeles firefighter episodes, all that stuff is at inlovewiththeprocess.com. I do all this fucking work for you. And you guys don't pay me a goddamn dime. You know what I mean? Don't make me think about it too much. I might stop. Anyway, let's get back to the show with these guys. All right. Okay, fellas. How's everybody doing? Yeah. Yeah, we, we doing good? Yeah. All right. So we're back into it. Uh, where are we at for time? Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. We're doing good. Um, all right. So, uh, how's the festival experience been so far for you guys? Glorious.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is my. F- I think this is the first in-person US film festival. Uh, fuck yeah! This is yeah. a good one. Unreal. Yeah. Couldn't believe it when we first showed up. It was just like welcome, open arms, taken to the back. Photographs were taken. Gift the goodie bags. Oh my god. Yeah, the goodie bags yeah. are amazing. Yeah. Aren't they? Right. yeah. yeah. And I all mean,
0: like their little sweet like the the their badges are fucking really yeah. cool. Yeah. i I might buckle and buy one of their jackets that they, know, have they, they have there oh, the jackets are dangerous
4: yeah i'm done for yeah, i got man. the big,
1: big trouble in little film quest oh, or, uh, that t-shirt. Yeah, i wasn't I brave enough to go for the vest amazing. i went for the t-shirt but you know yeah <laughs> but uh yeah it's yeah, good good, dude, good dude. socks yeah. as well that's
0: did you get socks? <laughs> I didn't get
1: the socks. That's maybe tomorrow. I've got a real problem. I have to buy something. I have to buy something every day. I found a local vinyl store and I've been there twice. What? Yeah. Um, Are you a vinyl guy? I am a very yes. I am a vinyl guy. It's dangerous. Yeah, did, did you buy something? Oh, well, but I've been there twice and What'd you get? went. Twi- yeah. Oh God. Um. So I got. I got Watchmen, the TV series, uh, the HBO series, Volumes yeah. 2 and 3. Ah. They're both of those. Um, and I got the Severance Mondo soundtrack ah. as well. Yeah. How's, the vi- soundtrack. How's the
0: vinyl shop? Is it cool?
1: It's really cool, really we, nice uh, nah. we should maybe go there i could yes, walk up yes, with you yes, i mean yes. they, we're on first name basis now i think because yes, we've yes. been in there twice but dude really i have dissolved.
0: i have a fucking addiction problem i do too yeah i did my taxes and i was like oh <laughs> oh
2: my god <laughs> how yeah.
0: much i spent on fucking vinyls <laughs> oh god like, so what a, are we talking
1: about here what are you getting
0: oh oh so these days what am i into so if you're listening i don't know if you've had the headphones on so i i love a lot of like new retro wave kind of stuff let's see what can i play you guys hold on So I'm big into sort of like this electronica, new retro stuff, like these guys, this is Betamax, these guys are really great, or um, these guys, Neon Neontenic, these guys are really great, and then uh, Mitch Murder, this is them doing The Cure, right? Yeah, this is cool. So I'm big into like this new retro wave stuff and um, I try to find shops that I, that carry it because they're usually like very small print, very like indie label kind of stuff.
1: It's got, well, I'm, I'm basically, I am all about getting soundtracks, that's all I'm getting is oh, just old yeah. film soundtracks, yeah. new ones and then Mondo's sort of, Mo- I have a Mondo well, addiction. It's, I have a problem, we both <laughs> have a problem, yeah, 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 it's getting dangerous. I had uh, them on the show, they were on the show. Really? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I, I met them at Thought Bubble which is a comic con and um in harrogate in uk and they had a table there and it was just when they the batman like michael the yeah. soundtrack and they just had that there and they had the uh, dread you know they they brought that soundtrack out and they had this sort of limited edition in there and god yeah that was bad that was
0: I, I like them i like waxworks i like waxworks um, good
1: death no not, um
0: what's the other the death note or whatever is part of them i think death waltz is
1: part of mondo now is that yeah
0: that? and then mondo was just bought out i think
5: that's right i've yeah.
1: heard about that yeah Yeah, Uh, (laughs) we don't go
5: there. (laughs) (laughs) We probably should plug that we are doing a limited edition vinyl of Lure soundtrack as well.
4: Really? Shut up! That's fucking Very cool.
6: Yeah, the 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 film was scored uh, by my friend uh, Tom Forrest, who uh, co runs uh, Indicator Records in uh, Edinburgh. So they do a lot of of pretty crazy EDM stuff, amongst other things. Hells yeah! Um, Yeah, he's been good. Twice Grammy nominated for uh, his work they did with uh, Duke Dumont. but yeah, he's uh he put the score for that and then we're gonna hopefully do a limited uh, press final through that. As Hell well. yeah, That's man. Cool. Yeah. I That's love Duke Dumont. I, yeah,
0: had a, I had a I had a weird Duke Dumont night in a strip club in uh <laughs> at Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Um the uh fucking um yeah, we had our piece, we were very fortunate. Um Big Black Delta, I don't know if you guys know Big Black Delta, one of my favorite uh, bands like if he had come out, I would say in the late 90s, he would be bigger than Coldplay, you know. And he's just phenomenal. And mm-hmm. I convinced him to score the movie. And then, yeah, there's a big needle drop that happens in our film that is his song that is like
3: uh, it, it, it changes that moment so much. It's already so beautiful, but then having that needle drop, just like oh, the, the first yeah. time Mike showed me, I was like, holy shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's
6: it's amazing like, what excited. sound of sound music how it can yeah. change your film. Music I mean, is so important, you know. We watched, we watched Lure. I don't know how many times, right, in the, as you go through the process. And, you know, uh, you know, David McKeach was working on the, um, you know, the SFX for it. Uh, and then, and Tom was doing the score, but it was only until like a week before we were due to lock it and send the screener to Jonathan here, <laughs> that we actually heard the two together at the same time. And it was like, I don't know, it was like, Watching the film for the first time. Yeah. It was like the impact was like, oh my word, this is going to work. Yeah. yeah. So, like, we we did hear, we did the 5.1 mix with uh, with Peachy in Glasgow and we heard it there and it sounded amazing, but on a big system, like, I am really looking forward yeah. to it. Tom has put so much. T- filthy sub base yeah and like, which, like, you, will, you will not hear on any kind of a lower you know on, on nice. a, any sort of subpar system so hearing it on the, the velo system i think it's gonna, I think it's gonna this system's them.
0: pretty mean man because yeah. when we were watching that fucking spaceship one last night yeah. that the all the seats
4: were shaking when that mm-hmm. rocket took off so. somebody asked me if an earthquake was happening yeah <laughs> yeah i was feeling that man we yeah you yeah.
5: may need to be careful maybe a brown noise in there though yeah, yeah everybody, everybody just shits themselves yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three stars you know great great film but
0: i did shit myself yeah so. cha- everybody had to change their fucking pants at the end of this one uh that's great man buy that
1: from the merch stand actually for film quest <laughs> <the> pants. diapers <laughs> yeah. diapers, diapers.
2: Yeah.
3: so you guys sound like you're pretty big into scores and soundtracks. and are there other um films or movies that you've seen recently where the scores really stuck out to you Ooh. It's like we've been talking a lot about the creator uh, and oh. seeing it, and I'm a huge Hans fan. Uh-huh. But just even like listening to the score from the movie after seeing it, it just you, it takes you right to those beats yeah. and the, those emotional punches. Man, it's just its its own world. Yeah.
4: I've been yeah. listening to the Oppenheimer score yes. a lot. Yeah, that's another good yeah. one.
3: Another really good one. That is good. I haven't seen the creator yet. I it's so you? beautiful. Yeah.
1: I tried not to listen to that one because I was worried there was going to be... Because no, I managed to we, avoid the trailer. I haven't seen... Yeah, the, we, didn't, oh. we didn't spoil much of it. Okay. We
0: just talked... We just talked about this you want to talk about weird wild way to shoot a feature yeah. film yeah. that is loaded with that much like special effects stuff they basically shot that movie like a drama. Okay. So they went mm. out on location in Thailand and they shot for like 90 days cuz yeah. it was like an 80 million dollar movie I think. So they went and shot in Thailand and they he had a tiny fucking crew. He had like a big base camp but a very small sort of shooting crew and it was like, you know, 10 people. On the shooting crew and they went and they just shot all like these beautiful dramatic sequences like ken watanabe's in it and <laughs> like we oh, talked specifically incredible. i think it's in the trailer he's like sort of sleeping in a hammock and mm-hmm. that whole sequence is just beautifully shot okay. and then in post-production afterwards they were like okay make that a robot make this a robot <laughs> make that a robot, so make that cool. robot. Wow. Yeah, so oh, they yeah. were hyper focused on like performance more than they were on yeah. special effects. I have
4: AMC A list, and I kept just walking into creator screenings and then bouncing out just to try to boost that box office. Yeah, yeah like, just yeah, fuck like, yeah, yeah. Stuff yeah, like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. right. When, yeah. when you
0: listen to my podcast, I'm just like shunning everybody that didn't see it opening weekend because okay. mm-hmm. it got beat up by fucking Paw Patrol two or whatever. The yeah. Hell. yeah, oh yeah. god. Yeah, yeah, yeah dude. Is, is it
1: out in the UK? The creator is it? Out? I don't think it's out yet over in the UK. I think um, <laughs> He's excited about Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol yeah, <laughs> when, when's that? I, I don't know. You were telling. Um, no, but soundtrack-wise, I was really into Arrival. I really like that. Mm, yeah, uh, it too, yeah, it was pretty too. Yeah, pretty well. But I went through the whole collecting this ones I had when I was a kid, growing up, like the CDs that some how I got rid of. So like I had like T two, like Terminator, and um, Grease two, yeah. and um, what else did I have? There was a few last thrown me, um, but I did have Grease 2, which I got given recently by Remo for my birthday, which is very nice. No one believes us when we say this, but Grease 2 is one of the best sequels going. Uh, if you want to have an argument about it, but we probably shouldn't based on all your facial expressions. Um, so, but yeah, so I went back and kind of collected all the ones I I'll, I'll kind of never, like I got rid of and um, and then now just picking up the new ones. But mm. I thought the Batman was, yeah. fantastic yeah, and, yeah yeah a lot of just random really random stuff
0: i've got some like r- we get real nerdy because i'm a john carpenter nerd oh, so like i've got the the thing limited edition packaging with a double yeah. the double discs yes. and the unreleased and then i got his uh escape from new york packaging and then the fog which i love it's an underrated score fog is great and then um what was the
4: other one that we got we also got like another really good fucking vinyl
1: big trouble No chain is a good one yeah oh yeah Yeah. it's great oh yeah
4: i worked on one of his music videos just because i like i what oh for him for him as an artist yeah Cause um a friend of mine shot it and he was like, Hey, do you wanna come volunteer? And I was like, I get to watch John Carpenter direct. Cool and he did not direct it, but he showed up. He was he just was like, bee, 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 bob, bob. Yeah, <laughs> and he is so salty and he like scared everyone on set. They were so intimidated by him. But really? I loved it. He was so fucking funny. Yeah. Um and at one point I was pulling focus to him. And at the time we were still like using a tape measure or something. And uh I remember he went, son. Have you ever pulled focus? And I said, yes, but never on someone as beautiful as you. And he Ooh, went, well fuck done. off, and he stormed off set, and we lost track of him for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You'd so. have been better off going, shut up, asshole. Uh, yeah, <laughs> shut <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. So.
0: yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. I collect his vinyls too. His vinyls are great,
1: man. Mm. He's Bruce Boy the Second anthology, right?
0: Yeah, he just yeah, came out Yeah,
1: yeah. And, yeah. and uh, oh. we, I went to see his um, gig in Glasgow. Where he came over, that was amazing. Really? So good. See oh, him live. dude. It was unreal. So yeah, got to see him live there, but he's amazing. I just saw an article recently said all he wants to do is play video games. That's yeah, it. yeah, that yeah. was his thing. for Yeah, yeah. he yeah. wants to do video games.
0: Yeah, he, he cool. uh, the last movie he, uh, he's doing some new one right now, but the last movie he did was, uh, oh God, it had, what's her, it was Amber Heard in that? Oh, yes. Yeah. Ward? It, Ward, yeah, and yeah. my buddies, uh, the Rasmussen brothers, wrote that. Cool. And uh, that was the last one he did, which was like,
2: eh,
4: you know, okay.
0: and it's like, I'm kind of excited to see his new one. I miss his stuff. I, I was just watching um, In the Mouth of Madness the oh. other day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's on Criterion. Right now, Criterion, by the way, for all you young listeners out there that are bored with your Netflix queue that just consistently feeds you cheeseburger shit, <laughs> uh, you should probably get yourself a Criterion uh, subscription. And they don't sponsor the show. You should Criterion, but they don't. Um, but right now they have like a really good um, 90s horror thing going on right now. So mm-hmm. I just watched that, Mouth of Madness, with Sam Neill. Those are you youngins. He was the uh, the hat-wearing scientist from Jurassic Park. <laughs> um, and uh, I just watched, which I had never seen before, Exorcist 3. Mm. Yes. Which is really fucking good. It is.
1: I had. Two's uh, the Heretic. Third, the third one's. Did they not bring like, the, the priest from the first one in the third? He comes in a flashback or something. Yeah,
0: he's in the third. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he's in the third. And that was the. Uh, what's his name? Was it, guy, it, was play, no, it, was it was the guy. Father Karras. No. It's the guy who played Patton or whatever. Who was.
1: Oh, George C. E. Scott. George C. George Scott. Scott's in it, yeah, of yeah, course. And he's great. In he it. is.
4: Yeah. That's great. It's a cool movie. Have have hardly ever it. seen the famous jump scare from it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm curious. I don't know it always struck me as a weird jump scare i'm curious if like in the movie it's no so the movie is
0: completely weird yeah in such a great way though and like it's you know what's refreshing about because i was talking to my fiance jean about this what was refreshing about it and she, and she couldn't stand it she's just like mm-hmm. i don't get it <laughs> what's refreshing about it is in our horror world right now any horror movies that are made sort of have to fit certain formulas mm-hmm. yeah and and like it's like okay who who's your cast, make sure they're young, make sure they're identifiable, put it in a house, make sure there's all these fucking rules. And what's really great about movies like this is it follows follows around like a 60-year-old cop, you know, and like if and his his best friend who's like an old priest.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like it's a weird setup with with mm-hmm. interesting people and um It's not an easy in, but once you do go in there, you start to see these guys, and it's very unpredictable. And everything that happens is very unpredictable. And I think that's what makes a good horror movie is unpredictability. I mean, the more fucking formula it is, then you're like,
4: okay, here it comes.
0: Yeah. Here comes this thing.
4: Oh, wasn't that great? Cool. My least favorite thing in a horror movie is when I can feel the exact frame of the jump scare is going I hate happen. it. I hate it. I hate, yeah. it, I hate mm-hmm. it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate
0: jump scares too, and I'm yeah. getting shit for it. I love,
4: like, a good one. Like, I remember when um, Insidious first came out, it was just full of them, and yeah. I, was, I loved it. It was like a roller coaster ride. But sure. I don't know. It's like now everyone is doing that style of jump scare, and it just has, like, lost. Yeah, but, but look. You're gonna get me going. So,
0: jump scares are a fucking tool. So, when you when you you guys know when you make a movie, you show up with a toolbox and you sit there and you Mm -hmm. go, "What do I need right now?" This is like a long thing. This is like a music cue. This is a lack of music. This is a lack of sound design. This is a jump scare. You don't just like you don't make a fucking cheeseburger and just put cheese 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 (laughs) cheese 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 cheese, cheese on top of it. You know what I
2: mean?
3: Unless you're doing it for Instagram and no one eats that shit. So. We saw a really good one. Um, my girlfriend and I were playing this game, The Quarry. It's uh, mm. it's like this sort of narrative-driven game. It's almost yeah, like I you're just playing that. a movie, right? Yeah. Uh, and there's this bit where you go into the basement of this big campground, and you're getting you know, the breadcrumbs of like, okay, there's something down here, something's going to happen. And they do this like dolly zoom on the guy at the bottom of the stairs of the basement, and there's a light up behind him. And so your eye immediately goes to the top of the stairs, and you're like, here comes the fucking thing. What's going to come from the top of the stairs and something tackles him from the side and you don't see that shit coming at all because you're thinking it's going to be the top of the stairs. That's where the thing is going to be at and I thought what an effective way to do it because yeah, it's the jump scare but they made us look the other way and I thought wow, that was fucking brilliant because you didn't think it was going to come from anywhere else but that. It's the mystery. Yeah, it was, it was so well done. It scared the fuck out of me. Mm. Video games a are great doing job.
1: really well for some scares. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. there was a few in The Last of Us oh two, yeah like there was that was intense but a lot of that like the score for if we're going back to school yeah 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 one yeah. and two phenomenal
3: absolutely Gustavo not lie, yeah. Yeah. and i think it's uh i forget the other kid's name on the second one but yeah yeah incredible yeah. job even yeah. in like the the stalkers in the second yes. game where like you're moving through and it's just like these little clicker mushroom face people peeking out from shadows yeah. but as you move through the levels they can follow you they don't necessarily attack right away and it's just that feeling of like, what the fuck is behind me? I hate it. Yeah. Did you, <laughs> I never
1: remember the game, well, which one it was, but there was a demo for Resident Evil, and it was the one where like you go in the house and you have to find a videotape. You put a videotape in, but it's That's all POV. All it's like it's it was a weird. But you were playing mm. it as POV, and it was one of the most terrifying things because it's like you're watching what happened to the person before that went in and you have to keep going. Mm. It's like, oh, now you have to go <laughs> down these stairs in a oh, well. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm, like, <laughs> right. know, I'm doing this. Yeah. And You put yeah. a tape in and there's a guy in the same room that was there before and it's playing back to you. And it's like, I was in this room and someone attacks them and you turn around and a shadow goes, but it's all with the POV thing. So your eyes right. yeah, are turning right. you're constantly like this and you've got the torque. It's so well done,
4: and the yep. sound design's fantastic. Have so mm-hmm. any of you played Alien Isolation? No. I yes. yes. Dude, I played bits so bit of this game. It. I couldn't finish it. It's <laughs> the only survival horror game I couldn't get through, partially because it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> but it is. is very heart, yeah. It's very
1: challenging. Your heart's just ready to explode, though. It's just yeah. You're constantly. Just yeah. like, you realize you haven't breathed for about five minutes yeah. or something. So. Oh. Mm. I love that shit,
0: man. I love that shit. I love that yeah. shit so much. That's what I want to do. Yeah. That's, what, like, that's why I make horror movies. I'm an older brother that likes to fuck with people. That's the whole thing, man yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, i love that shit so much um oh man good conversation all the way around fellas good oh, conversation thanks. all the way around
1: I want, I want to ask you a question yes sir about prep you mentioned prep before yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, i wanted to sort of see in terms like you mentioned storyboards like do you storyboard everything you do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i did this thing for for lure that were like you know for like commercials or like music videos you maybe do like an animatic or something just for like a specific sequence I wanted to try one for like the whole film, so do the whole film as an animatic, record the dialogue, do sound effects, do music. Do you ever have you ever done anything like? Because we were just more of an experiment, really, for us. Worked with the editor, worked with the storyboards, and just put it all together, and it really help, helped in terms of pacing, and, and all different things. I suppose you can talk about it from a production point of view. But would you have you done anything like uh, that? As well I haven't done
4: anything fully like that. Um, the finale of my movie intercuts a lot of like mm-hmm. timeline stuff and mm-hmm. plots, so it we were intimidated by it on the page just like oh this like is this all going to cut together correctly so i had a really shitty like sort of previs that was just me as the actor like alone in my apartment trying to set up and like cover all the dialogue and kind of try to get an idea of what the shots were going to be like and so i used that to try to like previs the finale and then we tossed all of it out in post anyway because like i don't know just a lot changed so it did not we, yeah. help me at all. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I get it
0: though. Like, so what's interesting, and I haven't gone to that extent, but I've mm-hmm. done different versions of it. Yeah. Like, I've like drawn storyboards and I put storyboards in, and now I'll use like some AI stuff, like mm-hmm. MidJourney is like really great for like previs and all that kind of stuff, especially like when you're dealing with producers, no offense, guys, when you're dealing with producers and you're trying to get producers to like wrap their heads around something and they're like, you really, you want to shoot this in a barn? And then you actually design yeah. the barn and they go, oh, fuck yeah, this is really great. And it's easy to do. And so I've used it for that kind of stuff. Um, I find with your point where you said that you threw it all out, I find that that's the purpose of it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you work with actors. Mm. So you give actors all the prep that you can. You sort of work on the story. You work on all... Uh, of the motivations and maybe some history, and then you just throw that all away, mm-hmm. and then you show up, and that's it's even though you throw it out, it's still kind of there in the background, even if it's just there to tell you like, don't do that. Like, yeah. That's a waste of fucking time.
1: It's like a safety blanket to know that you're covered. So if the shit yeah. is the fan, yes, you know you go back to your backup.
4: Yeah, yes. that with <laughs> our storyboards and our prep. Our idea was always that it was basically our plan B. Like yes, we were going to go in with a plan that we knew would work, but the hope was that you show up on set and you find something cooler and better mm-hmm. in yes. the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've—I've
0: been talking about this a lot with other filmmakers, and let's get nerdy about this. Like the the best thing for me, the crack cocaine of our job, is that is yeah. when you show up and you find something really amazing. And I have a story uh, on the short that we did before this one. Yeah, which was a. Uh, um, who's there we had this whole bit where i cast the actress the young actress to be the girl in this thing and she was such a last-minute casting thing like i i I talked to a casting company and they were like booked me a couple different people and i had picked another girl and the guy who was running the casting thing goes you you got to wait around i know she's late but you have to wait around for this girl you have to wait for her so she came in and she fucking blew me away like she came in and she just like turned on the waterworks and she did her shit and i was like you're a nice little liar like you have the ability to do that <laughs> yeah. and so she like she she made it really great and so my next dilemma was like fuck now she's outshining all of my other mm-hmm. actors and it was like sort of like mm-hmm. a a thing and so my other actors had to try to pick themselves up and, and my lead actress she was really great but i don't think she had done anything at the scale and, and on top of the fact that she's on one of my sets which is like 30 dudes and a fucking fisher dolly and like all this kind of shit but also you know now she's working scenes with this girl mm-hmm. who is just fucking insane and so i felt terrible for her And in retrospect i should have changed my order shooting order mm. so she's in it and she's trying to find her footing and her grounding and she does this and it took her about a half a day out of a three-day shoot to find her her rhythm and we had this one scene where uh basically the story is like this kid gets kidnapped He's, this mother and father show up to the house and the babysitter's freaked out she's like someone came to the door and took him and so they're trying to figure this mystery out and so they find uh the babysitter up in the bedroom and i i was sort of trying to figure it out trying to block this thing out with my production designer and there was this old chair that they had in the corner that had these slats on it. My production designer, Larry Sampson, by the way, what's up, buddy? Uh, he is a fun dude. He's, he's a dirty Teddy rock spin. He's like a dirty Teddy Bear. He loves to get dirty and get in there and do stuff. That's <laughs> such a good description. And so uh, he was like, what if she he, he gets down and he's like, what if she's behind this chair and she's holding on the chair and she's looking through these slats? And I go, fuck, it's genius. So we bring her up, we shoot her performance, genius fucking performance, right? So now I have the other actress who's having a tough time. She has to come up and just do a reversal. That's all I'm doing is a reversal. So I keep the girl behind the chair so she has someone to work with, right? And I shoot the reversal on this woman. Now, after that, I have to make my way down the hallway to a bathroom door, have her open the bathroom door and do it. I have the whole fucking thing storyboarded out. So I have it all ready to rock. I have it on the wall. And um, I'm excited because I have this killer fucking performance from one of the girls on the chair, right? Star of the show. And now I'm like turning on this other one to see what happens right she does this bit on the on the reversal that blows blows us away she starts to just break and it's just an insert shot she starts to break she starts to dissolve i suddenly start to feel something like i'm watching this thing you guys know where you feel it all of a sudden you go fuck and you have this moment right and when you're younger you sort of go like wow cool let's stick with the plan but i had this moment where i was like this changes the whole fucking next sequence like this changes everything mm-hmm. and you know you're scheduled to the t you're at the fucking end you're the ad sort of sitting there going like <laughs> what's going on you know and so we wrapped we wrapped the shot and i go all right can we just take 10 minutes and the ad was just like mm. and i'm like no we got to take 10 minutes and so then i walked i said they brought him and the the dp over and i said guys this changes everything right cuz now now the cracks in like you're feeling it like you're feeling that rush and you're like this changes everything i i have this idea we have to change the whole sequence and so just replanning that sequence based upon her insert shot made it a better movie and you know we went a little late because of it mm-hmm. but it made the movie what the movie is and I find in that moment, I'm high on crack <laughs> in that sequence. And I'm like mainlining it to my AD. I'm like, feel this, feel this. And he's just like, well, we're going to be late. And I'm like, no, no. no. And he's like, he's like, oh, oh, wait, wait. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. And so then you're trying to spread that crack. Do you guys feel that same way? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so, yeah. No, you can't. Oh, no, I, I mean,
0: yeah. So, I mean,
5: well, um, yeah, I, I mean, like, okay, for number one, uh, ADs that aren't buzzing off of that stuff are bad ADs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, like, somebody that says, yeah, cool, uh, I've talked to production, <laughs> we can pay for a little bit overtime so we can go late, uh, but you are going to have to truncate, yeah. uh, you know, the, your setups in this next one, but I feel you, I know how amazing this is. That's a good AD. Yeah, yeah. Bad AD is somebody that says, yeah, it's quarter past, we need to move on. Yeah. That's Stupid.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not throwing oh, my ad under the bus. He's a great ad, but yeah. <laughs> Vlad, yeah, yeah. <Okay>, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, Vlad's great. Yeah,
5: and and then and to to come back to this an- animatic thing because it did really help us. And it, for me, the producer thing. So I, I I don't know how maybe it's a cultural thing. I don't know if it's countries or states or whatever. But you know, producers don't tend to get turned on by emails and admin. They tend tend to get turned on turned on by wanting to make great films. Yeah, and the difference. For me, the, it's not about saying producers aren't um, creative enough to come pre-visualize something. It's about understanding what's in your head. That's yes, I should have been more specific so about that. Yes. It's not saying it's not. I, I mean, I've I pictured this script a million times when I'm producing it. But what's in Dave's head? About you know, so he can you can communicate a lot just through talking. I think we've got a very good shorthand now, all of us, which is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, but that animatic proved it. And mm-hmm. if it wasn't for that, we went right. Okay, we are seeing the same film here, yes. shot for shot. Mm. And actually, it also did help with the AD thing as well because it meant that we knew we knew we didn't have, we only had three days to shoot it, and we, we knew we didn't have enough time to do all the setups we wanted to do. Yeah. But we were we were able to work from the animating, say, well, hang on, that is basically this shot. So let's consolidate these setups. Yes. Yes. It really helped from that. But sorry, I don't know if that answered your question. But I do buzz off of yeah. see what you said. That yeah, example. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Yeah. It's good to have a plan A. To know that it's achievable yep. but if you say no wait 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 this is going to change the film and make it so much better well let's adapt yeah and actually what's great about the uh, the ability to adapt as produce onset producer ad whatever is i i buzz off of working with directors who see it as an opportunity if you run over in one scene because it's going to make the film they see it as an opportunity to flex their creative muscles to work out how they're going to do the next scene yes. in half the time yes yeah, because yeah. it's a
0: Rubik's Cube at that point where you're mm-hmm. just like ah fuck I know I had five setups for this but let's let's actually put this on a dolly and do it in a oneer and have them just go and rotate around that's Spielberg man whenever whenever I find myself in trouble I always go back to Spielberg I'm like okay what did he do on Columbo
5: oh Columbo episode one yeah the
4: moment I like locked into what I wanted to do as a filmmaker. It was in film school. I, I was in this program where we would all screen our movies every Thursday and we had to do something of the weekend and then screen it. And it was humiliating because you'd go watch all your peers do something better. So I was trying to figure out like how to crack film. And we had a Jurassic Park night and I was waiting <laughs> for people to come up. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to put in Lost World until everyone gets here. And the... Not the opening shot. The opening shot's just an island. But the second shot of Lost World is fucking incredible. I don't know if if you don't know it, it like starts, I think it's on the ocean and then it pans over to a boat and it's mm-hmm. a yacht and then somebody walks into the foreground and they're carrying champagne and then another person walks behind them and they go over yeah. to a parent and then like, and it just unfolds this beautiful scene on a beach that I had seen a hundred times and until I was in film school, didn't realize it was one shot. Once
0: you, once you crack his code, you start to see his code. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. fucking genius. It's
4: beautiful. It's genius. You watch yeah. a movie like Munich. Oh, oh, it's
0: so, so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. It's craziness.
1: You just, when you brought that up about openings, like, yeah. um, I don't know if I was listening to one of your podcasts and I was were talking about like, opening scenes of films or what, your favorite opening scene. But what is your one? Because I, I, you, have you seen NARC? Yes. That opening, The opening of NARC is probably one of the mm-hmm. most intense openings of a movie I've ever Joe seen. Joe
0: was on my show. So oh. Joe and I are buddies. So Joe was on the show and we talked about that. And he was, what was the deal i love joe he's I, no bullshit and he was just like i had a steady cam up i think it was this I, and to go back and listen to the show and and prove me wrong but it was uh i i had a steady cam up he was bitching <laughs> and so he's like fuck it right? <laughs> he just took the camera and they did he the hand it was like last minute change dude that's just and it was it, that shot alone blew him into That whole crime genre at that time period, Mm. like that, no one had done that shot. Since then, it's been co-opted and it's on like every NYPD, Blue, CSI. Take your glasses off and scream at the camera.
1: Caruso, (laughs) oh Caruso, oh my god, I love Caruso. Yeah, I love that he's
3: made such a shtick out of it that it's like it. Initially, feels like okay, guy, but he's he's got it so well. You're like, nah, that's his thing, man. I love that. You wait <laughs> dude, for it, and you're like, yeah, dude, glasses off. Have me you mo- seen yeah. the supercuts of it? Yes, yes, the, yes.
0: yes. Oh,
1: okay. Supercuts are phenomenal, but yeah. I mean, like, uh, it's like we've seen the, sh- the Sean Bean supercut of him saying bastard from the TV show. <laughs> Sharp <showing> that. That's <laughs> phenomenal. It's just like him saying bastards for about 18 minutes, but um, anyway, um, Caruso, but like, the, there's a clip and me and my sister used to watch like CSI like when we were growing up, and uh, there's one scene where you know how they do the opening, and they find the body, and then mm-hmm. he's like, "What?" Yeah, he says his line, it goes wild, and there's like they walk into a room, and it's him and his buddy Frank, and like Frank's in the corner, and it's like there's a naked body in the bed, and his ass is in the air, and uh, Frank comes up and just goes, there was Horatio, there was no forced entry," and he just looks down and just <laughs> at the body and goes, "I wouldn't say that, Frank," and then puts the glass on. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and like, and then. I remember I remember turning around like did that happen <laughs> and it's kind of been so many years now that I'm thinking did I make this up or is it actually CSI Miami you know Horatio Kane phenomenal but yeah I love Dave oh, Caruso, Dave Caruso yeah. David Caruso but um, first no first, first. yeah first of terms but no like Joe Carnahan I think he's he's, he's awesome I think Narcs is like
0: he's legendary yeah. man he's legendary he's a, a, a great guy if you haven't heard my episode with I'm, him you should yeah. totally listen to it the two of us get crazy um and um he's he's doing really great work like the gray, the gray is amazing um and i've seen some of i've seen some of his new stuff i don't know allowed to say that but i've seen some of his new stuff and it's f-
1: fantastic i'm like, right and thinking that he was involved with the pilot of the lethal weapon series that came out oh i don't know if he was i think was he, he directed the pilot and he was involved in the show i'm sure i may have that completely wrong because
0: i know he did blacklist yeah. so uh-huh. he was doing the blacklist show with uh, what's his name was spader spader oh. yeah he did blacklist
1: I don't know maybe i might be wrong i mean i have to check this because i want to get wrong but um that lethal weapon tv series i think ended up stopping but the first series was i'm a big lethal weapon fan so yeah, right? me too. yeah me when, too. when i heard there's a tv show yeah. I, was like, I am dodging this but yeah. the guy clane crawford who played um riggs is phenomenal yeah really? he's great
0: he was he's also fucking solo in uh han solo and solo isn't no, that the same no, guy right? the same no no not no
1: no, no. no. Different, uh, oh, i thought it was different the same, guy. 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 That's the same guy. guy that's uh hayden i did oh, I- oh, yeah yeah sorry
0: uh, oh, I fucked that up. I always thought that <laughs> was the same the same
1: person. It's, um, but yeah, you should check it the first series because he actually takes a spin on rigs It's pretty good. So really? It's really, checking out. Yeah, I got it's
0: real nerdy one day because I was watching Lethal Weapon stuff, oh. and you know, we moved. I moved to Los Angeles from Boston like five months before COVID, mm. and so you know, there's still a lot of like really cool stuff when you go there, and you're like, ah, something was shot here. And mm. so, I ride my bike every morning, and it just occurred to me I was uh, watching. The first lethal weapon after they shoot the guys in the pool and they sort of do this sort of helicopter shot where they're driving away and I, like i saw the street and i go that's
6: where i run my bike
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i'm in lethal weapon Fuck yes <laughs> so i get real nerdy about it. i love those movies man great. it's great. also
3: really cool too like you talked about shorthand earlier mm-hmm. like when you're working with the filmmaker director where you have such similar taste or we watch a lot of the same mm-hmm. shit or michael to me oh you should this movie's great you should check this out And then we get on the set and you have this sort of like quiet, this code, the shorthand, like we were doing a a bit for Come Home. um, And one of the scenes, it's it's an emotional beat. And I was like, oh, this is like Martin Riggs when he's got the photo of his wife. And Mike said, yes. Yes. And I know that scene because like growing up watching The Weapon, my mom always was like, this is, look, just look at this. Look at it. Look look how good he, oh, he's misses his wife so much. I was like, fuck, this is amazing. Okay, this is acting. Got it. So then, I'll fast forward all the way to here, and we have that moment. I know exactly what Mike's looking for, and mm-hmm. it's from that thing of like just hanging yeah. out, talking about movies, shooting the shit, and watching stuff together, and you know, just chatting about what did you like, what do you like, and you know, with this opening sequence or this beat <laughs> here, this performance. In that moment, you can right then go, know exactly what you want, got it? Let's do it.
5: Yep. Can I can I ask you a question? Actually, yes. just from that view? because I said something earlier, which I, you know, depending what hat I'm wearing, what job role I'm doing, mm-hmm. I would consider it actually offensive in the sense that we were talking about shooting 16 pages in one day and saying we actually need to limit where the characters can go, where the actors Mm. can go and pre-block this Mm -hmm. because otherwise we're not going to get it shot. Would you prefer more input once you're in character and in the space for the first time? Would you prefer more input as an actor into what your your character can do freedom-wise and how they express themselves in that scene but less takes? Or would you prefer being able to be limited where you can go Mm -hmm. and just be directed, no, you have to do this, Yeah, but we'll give you more takes to get it
3: the way you want to get it. That's a great question. I think the, what I've always found is a really comfortable approach is sort of, and this goes back to as the actor, you have a lot of homework that needs to be done well before you walk on set, right? Like I need to know this character front and back, not only their life before this short happens, but even in the specific scene, right like what am i coming from when i walk into this room mm-hmm. where the short is starting where we're going over onto you that's the first time we're seeing you but i need to know everything that's been going on for me prior to that right where i'm going what the objectives are all all this homework and stuff right Uda Hagen's nine questions like you need to have all that in you and then the dialogue in you so well that wherever the fuck this goes i can take it there it doesn't matter because i know it so well now and then the opportunity, if you've done all that homework, then earning the opportunity for the director, or producer, AD to allow you to go, can I just get one, can, let me just get one initially and just kind of see like what, what I, where it takes me naturally. And then from there going, okay, so this is where, uh, I, I did this line and I, yesterday we were talking about, uh, as an example, like if, I, if the scene is um, I'm talking, uh, I've just gone through a custody thing with my partner and I don't think I'm gonna get the kids and I'm coming up the stairs with this moment to come sit down here and maybe have my whiskey. And now that scene is coming in, sit down, have the drink, whatever that emotion looks like. But what if I come in and I see these video games over here and then I hadn't thought about it. I think like, oh man, maybe I play video games with my kid a lot. And it suddenly moves me and I want to go over there and play that. That's a totally different scene now from sitting down and having the emotion, going over and playing that game and having the emotion happen there. It's different for the audience. It's different for the actor. And having that freedom to just that very first one, let me just see where it takes me. And then lead me from there.
5: So would it be fair to say then that actually, ideally, a little bit more time on the blocking because Mm -hmm. then you will naturally hit the beats that you want and therefore you won't need as many takes because you're like, yeah, this all feels right. For sure. And I think
3: also, again, just having your shit down pat as the actor really well, then if we have less takes, that's okay. I think
5: think the only time to to defend the the thing that I said earlier, I think the only time we use it is, one, when we're desperate, but Mm. also where we have to limit it because we're not going to be able to flip the room and light
2: twice.
0: Well, let me chime in on this too. What's Mm. interesting, and you guys can chime in on this as directors, what I find that when I put something down on page or if I have something planned, it's completely fucking flat. Like Mm -hmm. it always is. It's like... Lance is going to come up and sit on the couch. And so as a person that hasn't been in the space, you just go like, here's where I think the stairs might be, and here's how I think the couch is going to be. And then rudimentarily in my head, that's not even a word, but in my head I sort of go, he sits on the couch, and I go, it's fucking boring. Like I already feel like it's fucking boring. And what I'm looking for as a director in every scene is the thing that surprises me. And the thing that he does that may help me cut dialogue, that's a big thing because oftentimes there's an action or there's a way that he does something that is so much more satisfying than listening to him tell me how he fucking does something. Mm. And so the only way for me to figure that stuff out is in the initial block.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I don't think there's anything wrong with you being in AD saying, we don't have time to shoot on this side of the okay. room. Then you go, okay, great, man. Your fucking pen to play in is this, is this wide, but play in it. Like give them time mm-hmm. to play yeah. in that pen. Do you guys agree with that? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah I felt like just giving people guardrails was the best way to do it. Like we have a loose plan but you come in here just be on this side of the room and figure something out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know just like being loose with it worked for us. Yeah yeah. I, I don't I mean you probably
1: um, have a different take on it but like for for me like I like to plan to the point where it's ridiculous and I know every sort of potential way I could do it mm-hmm. and then get there and then just accept that it's going to go away you're not going to be a user <laughs> or rely on it because something will mm-hmm. inevitably happened in the location that you're maybe at but I like to go on the recce's with the DOP and actually just like they've got these this app director viewfinder called Cadridge. I think it's called mm-hmm. Cadrage or mm-hmm. Cadrage or whatever you want, you want to hear. <laughs> and um I would go there with the DOP so Danny Bonner he was our DOP and we would we would just go into the location and just set every frame of where we would like the actors to be but usually I'm standing in or someone else is standing in or Rem was in there pretending to be everyone and um we'd be like cool there's our five setups and then Remo would see the five setups and say well you're not going to get five setups it's not possible <laughs> and they be like right, well how can we achieve it in two or three and then when we find our corner or where the light's going to be because obviously if we get delayed the lights change so it's it's going in there with all the possible for me all the possible scenarios knowing that I'm only probably going to get maybe one or two options yeah. from there and then just try to make the most of it and then of course when the actor comes in and do the rehearsals like well I don't like that angle what if we did this and you go shit I yeah. think it's about being open to change and not be, because when I say that to anyone, they're like, oh right, so you're like control freak. You just want to do it exactly this no, way. No, no, and it's no. like, no, it's so I have potentially five different answers for all yeah. these different questions I'm going to be asked from different HODs and you're willing to be loose because Danny might go on the day, show up after we've done all this prep and be like, oh man, this, this one angle here covers the entire shot. We can just shoot yeah. the whole thing from here. Yeah. We'll have a bit of negative space back here. I think that'll really work and just like let the location work for us because our yeah. location is phenomenal. Like yeah. it had so much texture. And he's like, why, you, I like to get a lot of coverage, but he's like, well, let's just keep it all shooting in one direction, do a two, like, camera tilts down, what is one actor approaches, and then just two singles. Yeah. And that's it, and it just we just mm-hmm. let it play. And at one yeah. point we thought we might just stay on the two shot the whole way through the scene, but it was just that thing where, before I had all these different setups. Sure. Yeah. But we're like, like, just be confident in what we can get in just one take, yeah. you know, and let the actors. I'm the same and way, her. dude.
0: And so what I do is I, like, I like coverage too, and so I'll plan the fuck out of coverage. Uh, to save my ass is mm-hmm. really what it is. But if you've got great acting, and this is something because I cut as well, so I'm an editor. So this is something I learned in the edit. Where you know, and I've talked about this a couple times, but fuck, fuck you, audience. I'll talk about <laughs> it again. Yeah. Uh, so the when we were cutting, come home. There was a sense of me coming off another piece where I didn't have a strong acting, and so I had to use a lot of those tricks and techniques where I'm like, okay, I'm going to create the performance with my cut. I'm going to drive the audience where it needs to be. And so I started to, I was still in that rhythm. So I sat down and I started to do a rough cut. I was just doing that. You know how you have those rhythms as an editor mm-hmm. where you're just like, okay, pop, 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 and you start to put the stuff in and then you watch the sequence. You go, this feels really fucking forced. I feel like I'm really forcing something. And then I realized that what I was doing was destroying your performance with mm-hmm. my with the forcing that mm-hmm. I was doing. And I went, you're fucking good enough that all I have to do really is just let it sit on you and let it go with it. And, you know, my goal as a director is to try to recognize that when I'm on set and and not be stupid about it, like still Mm. shoot coverage. Like, here's an important insert. Here are the rules of David Fincher. Why am I shooting it? This is important. That's important. And this is to cover my ass in the cut just in case we want to use take five instead of take one on the second half of this. Mm. Good to go. But I'm still trying to get to the point where I can recognize that on set and be like... Uh, I don't need to shoot fucking you know, yeah. seven shots yeah. for this I can do yeah. this in three instead of seven you
6: know I was going to say this is where like you know where having that strong collaborative team around you really comes to the to the, fore- to the forefront doesn't it it's like especially mm-hmm. with, with, with Lur, when we, we actually lost our first location so I can only imagine what levels of prep you'd gone through for that one place yeah. And there was like this ace, like remote cottage in the middle of this glen. And then, uh, we couldn't shoot at the time for whatever reason. And then the forestry came in and they started taking trees down so we couldn't get access to it. So then we had to try and find another one. And then like, you know, we only got that confirmed like a week before we actually ended up shooting. So like, and then, you know, we didn't have that much access beforehand. You I mean, you went for a wreck in a photo shoot. And then when we're on the day, it's like, this is when you've got like, you know, you know, that core team where you know we're all sort of chipping in with decisions at the same time and, and it really really helps sort of support and keep things going on that front I think
1: I mean, yeah I mean it, it was, I mean it's basically like the prep lead up to our film was like heart of darkness. It was just mm. everything <laughs> that could go wrong, went wrong. I mean, I didn't have a heart attack and like feed mug to get feeling back. <laughs> like but you talking.
0: were running around with a typewriter and your shirt off yeah, the whole time. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. so you were there, <laughs> you watched those pictures.
1: A few like cry kicks into mirrors and things like that. But um, No, it was just outrageous because everything you said, we had, I mean, we went to the stage where like every time we had a phone call with each other, it'd always be like, you would go on wanting sort of um, the other person to make you feel better mm. so I'd call Rema, I'd be like man I don't know if this is you know I'm starting getting up hoping he's going to make me feel better but it turns out I have to start making him feel yeah. better yeah so then I yeah. come off the phone I speak to Toby I'm like oh he now he can make me feel better now and then I'm like oh shit now I'm making him feel better yeah and I'm like, who yeah. am I going to speak to you know I'm like, yeah. oh god who, who am I going to but then, then they would call back like, it's fine it's happening and we I think we went through a phase where it wasn't happening it was happening it was happening it wasn't happening I was on like our location manager was Michelle was doing a really um, great job like helping us out but nothing was available at the time so it got to the point where you were looking at airbnbs i mean it's set on a farm in the middle of nowhere in scotland so you're looking at Airbnbs in the city because this is a desperate we're getting it was, it was insane we're thinking we just change the story completely like call the writer we're sh- it's not going to be on a farm anymore it's going to be in a city flat mm. somewhere and we, i mean wild suggestions were being it was just getting outrageous and then i think <laughs> i went on a, a property search i think it's like real estate would you call it just like you'd go yeah. to agents and i just searched an old farm for sale and then this thing popped up and it was just Lockridge, Lockridge Hills Farm. And it was just, it was, I mean, lovely farm, but looked like, you know, a, a horror farm. with yeah. <laughs> horrible things when they happened there. Yeah. And we, they were just sold it. And um the guys were in, I think they were in Ireland or something. They came over and it was just like, they were only doing one view in a week. So we all had to pile in and just get photographs. And every single area looked perfect. But that was like two weeks before. It was, a,
5: it was just outrageous. It, it was it was ridiculous. I mean, like to, to explain, we we had to, we, were, we were the we were going to lose a- actors. Yes, yes. We were going to, we are going to lose cast. We were going to lose uh, actually a little bit of funding because we needed to have had it spent by a certain time. Um, so we said, okay, we don't have a location, but we're going to have to just green light and move forward and just say that's <laughs> the dates and we're filming. We're going to film somewhere. <laughs> so so we we just went, yeah, it's all happening. Everyone, don't worry. We've got we've got it all sorted. We're like, okay, where the fuck do we shoot this? Um, and Airbnb, and we're like, oh, we could kind of make that work. You know, there's like a shed, and there's a bit of grass. We could put more grass <laughs> over there. Um, yeah, but when t- the
1: script says barn. We didn't think small shed. <laughs> <laughs> small yeah. <barn> shed. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like a kids' Wendy house. And,
5: and Toby, you're just covered in moss. And Toby's like, yeah, okay, so fine. We need to lock this in a week out. I was like, well, none of us have seen it, um, and I'm I'm on another shoot at this point, so it's like, okay. Just said the director of photography. He was the oh, he wrecked it. Oh, you're right. The DOP. This was ridiculous. Like the DOP just went, right? Yeah, we can shoot here. Cool. Fine. No, produ- no producer seen it. No AD seen it. We're like, cool. Good enough for us, Danny. Thanks. <laughs>
1: That's outrageous. Yeah. Cause so I was in I was in Lithuania and there was basically this. There was no. I was in the middle of a sort of forest at a friend. You know, it was, it was just like house, and he was on the location at Lockridge Hills. We had no signal, and he called me, and he was like, "I'm doing a video walkthrough and he's walking through with his camera and the signal's awful <laughs> and he's, he's walking through he's like that's a perfect that's a great that's a good kill room there oh there's the owner there that's brilliant and he's like chatting like the owner's following him around and he's like oh yeah look at that there's like bird shit on the window there we could film that that looks really good for the <laughs> texture as well and I was like this guy's trying to sell this place <laughs> or he sold it but it was like that's how we made the decision and then I called you and said yeah we've got the location and then yeah and then basically yeah yeah I, I th- yeah basically the phone It just like
5: freeze framed On a sheep And Dave was like Yeah we'll do it We'll do it there We'll do it It's fine It's okay And then that was Dave Making us feel better It's like yeah yeah I've seen it all Definitely we can definitely Make it work And then turned up, And Dave's like Right I need to scoop This place out so, so, yeah.
0: I gotta explain to the audience Who can't see you guys You have to understand Like looking at you guys It's like I feel like I'm looking at dudes That almost got hit by a car And they survived <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah. I, oh man, honestly, how, how many times? Because like, obviously, like you know, uh, you know, Dave's lecturer and working on other stuff. Like Rem was constantly working on other stuff. Like, uh, and I'm I'm running Hio, which is like a promo uh, video agency as well. And like, so all our meetings are like in the evening. And like, the amount of curveballs that came by us. we mm. we literally had many conversations. You're we like, is the universe telling us yeah. not to make this film? Mm-hmm. Because like, we have literally had everything. Were thrown at us, yeah. and there's a new thing every time. Even getting here, yeah. you know, we had that, and it's like, what? It's is there a higher force telling us that something bad is going to happen to us all if we carry on making mm, this? Yeah, yeah. But right. actually, now that we're here and now it's running, now we're like, nah, we, yeah, we've worked. If we it. can take all that on and still be here, then
0: that's the shit, man. Yeah. And to make yeah. you guys feel better, it happens on every fucking movie. <laughs> like yeah. You just sort of hit a point where you feel like it, the, the, there's. I say this all the time. My favorite time to be a director is when i call action because the rest of the world has to shut the fuck up mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. as soon as you call cut then everybody comes in the like, guy's trying to kick us out that's happening
3: yeah. yeah
0: and then you're like can i just call action again and have all that go away for a little while yeah and
3: it's- yeah. yeah those parameters sometimes feel good like listening between what you're saying with like uh, rhythm and then the execution it made me think about um when we go into the to shoot come home and you're in the shed and i sit down and we're like packing everything in and i go fuck, I can't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, we, we locked then, you in. We yeah, locked you in. And mm-hmm. then I go, okay, so the the little tool, the rhythm I have of like, I don't move around a little bit and like get my body. Can't do that shit. Well, analysis means I got to find something different. Well, that's kind of exciting because then, okay, this could be a different performance than what I usually do. Okay, cool. And I think sometimes that, uh, when we're, we're making a piece, like having those parameters, running into the, oh, fuck, we lost a house. We got to find something else. Or, oh, fuck, well, I can't move anywhere. Like those things sometimes end up being great gifts that you don't realize till later on like man this really shifted things in a way that actually was better off and better for yeah. it
4: yeah we've got a scene in my movie it's like five minutes in it's a like very complicated sort of a one but there's a lot of like hidden mm. whips um, three actors all blocked around each other and a lot of people like it like it's a scene that works when we did screenings people would perk up at it but that day um, it was supposed to be four actors and one of our actors at <laughs> the last second got cast in a Tyler Perry show and was like sorry it's big I gotta go and then um, we had a cam guy that we forgot to put on the call sheet so <laughs> he just didn't show up. and so that entire sequence was like in the moment like okay <laughs> let's do something new and yeah now it's like one of the highlights of the movie
0: I love it man yeah. I love it, dude. Um, and I love Wanderers, man. I have a wonder in my old one, 12KM. That's a pretty pretty big oh, wonder that we love. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, that one's that's great. sweet one. Um, yeah. yeah, the other thing that I found fascinating about what we did on Come Home, so when we started this project, we it was a direct response to uh, us basically being depressed, right? Because mm-hmm. everything that was going on, and we had a feature film that was about to be greenlit, and all that fucking went away like fucking months of work, you mm-hmm. know? So that went away and it was just that moment where like, I physically got a therapist to deal with all the shit that was going on with our business. Cause our business can really suck. And we just happened to be reading. We've talked, I, I love plugging her. We were reading Judith Weston's books. Have you ever seen her yeah, stuff? I've read those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah fantastic. So we were reading yeah. that stuff. And, and as I read those books, I was sort of questioning whether or not I could ever call myself a director with my prior work that mm-hmm. I had done with actors. And so, Um, we were just like, hey, let's get together and do some exercises and Mm -hmm. try some of these techniques and these tricks. And then Lance was like, let's do a scene or let's do a sequence. And so originally Come Home was just going to be a scene. It was going to be a a small thing that happened in the garage. And then whenever I do anything, Mm -hmm. it just becomes like something bigger. (laughs) Now we have period props and now we have this. and So that starts to grow into this thing. And I really hadn't sort of processed it as being a, a proper film. Because it was mm. always just going to be like, you, me, we'll get yeah. lots of nuts so to shoot, come in. shoot some shit
3: and have a good time. Make something. We'll do
0: something. A and so um, I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to shoot it. I'll direct it. And we'll go through this whole process. And it's been a while since I had shot. And so I said, all right, cool. I'm going to do it on sticks because I'm shooting. I'm not, I don't have a crew. It's a very tight space. So then I went and got the anamorphic lenses. And I go, man, I wish I had a slider. So now I got a fucking slider. Now I got a slider that's coming in, right? <laughs> and i haven't used the slider in a while and so day one i found myself in the shed with all this gear and really core group of people that were helping me and we had a fucking snow machine which was pumping out foam fucking snow mm. which was catching itself on the ledge of the roof so it looked like stay puff marshmallow man had fucking exploded <laughs> and that's slowing shit down and I'm, I'm i'm trying to connect with you as an actor mm-hmm. but i'm on this fucking slider and so I'm trying also to hit my marks on the slider and get the focus right. And night one was a was a was a disaster for yeah, me.
3: Yeah, it was tough. It was a tough one.
0: It was tough on you too. Yeah. I remember you looking at me going like, "What's going on?" And
3: yeah, they told you at one point I was like, uh, "Cause I knew that the, the scene we were coming up on had like a little bit of emotional beat." And I was like, "I'm gonna need a drink or something." Like I'm like, "If you got you got some rum or something in the house, I need a little something just like help me like settle into this more." And it was so fascinating. Like it helped. But then, like the next days, once we got into it, we had uh, we were connect uh, more.
0: Yeah, I ended up getting a camera operator in, and I started to peel back on the amount of things that I was doing, and I was able to direct, and I was able to Mm -hmm. be present, and that really shifted the movie. But it's this whole moment of like an ego check where you're sort of sitting Mm -hmm. there going. And I know you guys have probably felt this, like day one stuff where you go, I'm Good. a fucking failure. Oh yeah. God, I dear.
4: feel like day one was like, let's see how much stuff goes wrong. And then you take the rest of <laughs> yeah. week one to fix it. you <laughs> you're like, cool, we have the crew we need yeah. now. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. Mike actually did this really cool thing that I think you might enjoy as well, mm. considering your love for music and scoring in particular, uh, where if we were shooting MOS, Mike would put on music. and I think it was a lot of Alien Covenant that you were using nice. music that mm. felt like it fit the tone. Yeah. And as the actor right like you're it's the same thing when you watch the movie the music immediately is like your emotional trigger so then you're playing out the scene and you're just hearing this soft music and it just even when it's like this is not an an, an emotion you need to cry but Mm -hmm. there's something about this beat that you're discovering and having that music it just it seems like it unlocks something else in you Mm -hmm. or even if we're we're raw rolling sound mike plays me song for a little bit i'm getting into it a bit trying to find and play with something he's like okay cut the song off all right action roll it and I can just seamlessly walk right into whatever that beat is and find these mm. things because that music just, it's like a focus tool. It just yeah. unlocks something in the imagination.
1: I think that's great. I like that a lot. I think I do the thing where with the animatic, but when with the scripts, if I'm speaking to the writer, so Ronnie, he'd do his thing, but I'd have a Spotify playlist of all these like very mm. unusual tracks, like the weirdest mm. compilation, which I would lock to a scene so I would have all that then I would put them into the animatic and I'd play around like what works what doesn't yeah and then but it was really like I spoke to so Jack Stewart who's our our lead in lure he um I had the animatic all the music and I was like, oh do you want to see it and then um, he was like yeah I'd love to and it was one of our means and he, we put on and he what it was the first five seconds and he just went no I don't want to watch anymore like I'm watching the film now I don't I, I want to just feel yeah it that's tough because yeah. he doesn't want to be he doesn't uh, want to be, be like oh, how in a way like another another actor says like oh I did it on another project and it was like in a commercial and they looked at it and went, oh, right, so you're going to cover this from all these different angles now I know. And it, I think it just spoiled the fre- like the fresh. It didn't yeah. make it yeah. fresh anymore. Yeah, so I could right. see, like, I can't share this with too many people now. Right. You know, but I think the music thing is a great idea. I think, I just don't know if I did it on set, people would just, I've not done that yet. I'd love to though. I'd love well, to. Well, the thing
0: but. that I want to do, the thing that drives me crazy and well, t- being in the post-production part and understanding this, I fucking hate temp music. I really mm. do. Because then when I put temp music in, then whoever i'm working with as a composer is like okay so you, want me to know? you know and it, you really yes. don't discover it and you hear these stories of like uh the joker or all these movies where they're working with a composer ahead of time and the producers are uh are on board with bringing a composer on ahead of time where you can then be getting these tracks and playing these tracks on set mm-hmm. and being with these tracks and then doing your initial cuts to stuff that feels new and original yeah you know i like we chose alien covenant just because i felt like that would give you the goosebumps enough but (laughs) yeah but then there were moments where i was starting to lay that stuff in to the cut for temp track stuff and Mm -hmm. i was just getting pissed off about it and then when i was dealing with jonathan big black delta for the score it became complicated because i'm i love his work and i would just say to him like you know give me something like Mm -hmm. he'd be inspired by this stuff and then he would hear my temp stuff and he'd be like well, that's genius. And I'm like, of course it is. It's from fucking Alien Covenant. Like, yeah. it's not what we need yeah. for this piece. And so, I,
1: I don't know. I agree. So, the, I did something similar. And we had, we had kind of got basically, I painted myself in a corner because I, I fell in love with some of the Temp music in particular tracks. And there was yeah. one track in particular that's the final sort of moment of the film. And mm. it's a track from a uh, true detective that's played in one of the episodes. And I remember hearing it, thinking, this is perfect. Played it in there. And it was just like, this is it. And I was so married to it to got to the point where I think we would have had to have paid about, well, God knows how much money we'd have had to pay for it. But then Tom, our composer, was just like, oh, here, try this out. And he had this old track that he had from, you'll know more about it. But... Yeah, so he
6: uh, he had this existing track, which he saw went back to, and his kind of thinking of of it was like, imagine these kind of like, hillbillies from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre have stuck Mm. themselves into a room and they formed a family band (laughs) and now they're basically like they're hitting stuff and they're playing stuff but it's been recorded on this old sort of reel to reel and then it's the the distortion and the wobbles coming in there and of course like actually when you see the film like tonally it fits perfectly for just for the end credits just because we've got really striking final image just before it cuts to the title oh, I, can't to it, I can't wait to see yeah, it man. Yeah, works yeah. i'd love
0: that dude Ooh, you can get <laughs> i get so nerdy about that shit like with me when i'm when i'm cutting especially horror i can't cut without sound yeah and so like i'm sound designing at the same time that i'm cutting and then when i'm now that i've done this enough i'm on sets where i'm with my sound guy and i'm like just stick around that's going to be a sound piece and that's going to be a sound piece and so I'm trying to assemble. Anything I do, like, uh, we'll, we'll show you guys the trailer. Even the trailer, it's always like, how do I cut the music first? And I think that comes from my years cutting not just music videos, but also uh, commercials and all those pieces where it's all about making sure that the sound is the initial layer for that. Because really, like we were talking about initially, music has this uncanny ability of not only being a timestamp emotionally for you, but also just being like an emotional... Uh, uh trigger or dial where yeah. you can just go like I need you to feel
4: like shit right now and then boop, 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 you know and so I was scared that I was gonna feel like cheating and then I watched the music go in and I was like, no, this is the art of film. This dude, is dude beautiful. It's, 50, <laughs> it's yeah. fifty
0: fucking percent of it, if yeah. not more. Yeah. It's like mild. you can shoot it on a piece of shit camera that's busted and broken with a shitty lens and people go, ah, oh, it's a stylistic choice. And you can lie about it and yeah. be like, <laughs> yeah, it's a total stylistic <laughs> choice. But if it sounds like shit people will stop watching it instantaneously. Mm -hmm. Sound is actually more important, I feel like, than visuals. I think
4: I've read that they did tests, like two audiences, like made them watch things with bad sounds, and then the identical uh, video with like good sound and shitty video, and they can handle bad video, but yeah, like you say, bad sounds, people will like revolt against it.
0: Dude, Mm -hmm. and just the level, when we're talking about being independent filmmakers, Mm -hmm. the level of production
4: value that you can add with sound it's insane. Yeah, uh, since we were making a micro budget, we had to figure out like where does the money go? And um, we just decided not to compromise the sound or music budget. And we are like, those we're just gonna do all in, whatever it takes to like get the right composer to nail it. Smart, we'll do. smart. And everything else, we were like, eh, we can be scrappy, we'll figure it out. Yeah, mm-hmm.
5: I'm, I'm very much from the indie background, micro yeah.
4: budget, that's, that's how I started so I've
5: got a few features under my belt. And that's what we always do. So it's basically, if you haven't got the money to show it, people's imaginations are sometimes more powerful than what you could ever show anyway. Yeah. So hear it, don't see it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, uh, for horror genre, like if you want to get your first genre features made, that's that's a massive tool. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like
4: so many of the most famous, like iconic uh, horror movies, often they innovate with music. Like I think of mm-hmm. It Follows or Insidious oh, or yeah. Halloween, whatever, like they have these soundtracks and the first time you hear them, you're like, I have no idea what these sounds are. And those movies are electric and you're just drawn yeah. in and then like the next five years everybody imitates those scores and mm-hmm. it stops right. being effective so yeah I feel like music is so, so important definitely do you guys see the lighthouse in, yeah. in yeah. The
6: cinema Yeah. see when that foghorn kicks in at the mm-hmm. start you're just like what yeah. the hell is going on here so yes. film, which it does just, the same like yeah. that
4: music ugh, just yeah. makes yeah. my whole body I
6: just bleed. love the fact that yeah. those films are, I guess early works fantastic and it's so che- it's so cheap yeah. that's mm-hmm. the yeah. thing that
0: yeah. that's, that's mind blowing like you, you sort of You realize the longer you do this, these become your toolkits. And as you're in the edit, you're just like, just grab a fucking microphone and go out there and do it. Mm -hmm. It costs absolutely nothing to do. You know, I love that stuff, man. And you know what's also wild is that I feel like when we were younger, at least when I was younger, growing up, um, you know, we bought into the whole like directors are fucking geniuses. And we Mm -hmm. bought into this whole bullshit so the sales pitch, and then as we come up, it's like, well, I have to be a control freak. I have to have all the answers. I have to be the guy that knows everything. And then you start to realize, as I talk to folks on this show and as I meet people, you start to realize that they're all as lost as we are. And yeah. you really sort of find
2: mm.
0: a way to find, find that comfortability in knowing that you're going to be lost. And if you surround yourself with the right experience and the
4: right uh, support system it's okay to be fucking lost and it's kind of exciting to be lost Mm -hmm. i'm always surprised by like the difference between what i thought the shot was going to look like yeah and like i got all the elements there like it's what i plan to do and then you put the camera up and you're like oh that's not it yeah but it's better or there's something cool and so like there's it's almost like imposter syndrome stuff sometimes when i look at the frame i'm like i didn't do that where did that come from but it works and then i get all the credit for it (laughs) (laughs) That's weird
1: yeah there's I thought it was for me. It was, I think it started off as being like an ego thing, where you thought that if you're on set and someone else suggests something and it's not your idea, you're no longer the director. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are afraid mm. to take other people's opinions on board because they think, "Oh shit, I'm exposed here. This isn't my idea." Mm. When it, you're, if you've got a solid team of collaborators, you know that you can also be wrong on set. You know, it's yeah. it's okay, and yeah. you shouldn't panic. It's like if the DOP says or the first is like, "What if you shot from over here?" You get all that coverage in one setup, and you go, yeah, cool, you're right, we should do it. Mm-hmm. You don't turn away in the shadows and go, oh my God, I've been exposed, I'm not a director. And I think yeah. when you start out early, that, that feel, it takes a while for that to go away. Yes. For you to feel like, I'm open to this sort of thing. Mm. Some people kind of aren't, and it becomes this sort of dictatorship. Yeah. Thing. What
0: happens is, is it develops even more, right? So you have that initial where you're just like, I'm supposed to have all these answers. Yeah. But then it, 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 once, once I started, I've talked about this before, I did a music video years ago for a big band, and it was going completely terribly. and it was like everything was falling apart the uh, label cut our budget bunch of assholes cut our fucking budget and the day was just going to shit and my production designer and I weren't communicating and so I would show up and he would paint something black that was supposed to be white there was this thing that was supposed to be this tall that was now the size of a fucking person like all these different (laughs) things and and you're trying to figure out how to put this stuff together and I was I was much younger and I just kept fucking losing it. And I, I would just come into a room and be like, God damn it, like I told you all this stuff. Like, how? But I hadn't said, obviously I had done my job really shitty if he was not getting mm-hmm. the, the message. And I had this moment, fucking drama moment where I just picked up a chair and I tossed a fucking chair and I threw a chair in a space. And as soon as I did it, I saw what it did. Like I, I just saw the ripple effect and mm-hmm. I saw everything that it did. And I had like this, it was like one of the most humbling moments I've ever had in my career. Yeah, Where I just sort of looked around and I went, I'm the asshole. And like, I fucked this whole thing up. And why did I fuck it up? It's not because I didn't do my homework. Because I did my homework. I did all my shit. But I fucked it up because I didn't let the people around me do the job the right way. I didn't uh, allow the people around me um, to uh, fix my mistakes and do Mm. my stuff. I didn't empower them to do the right thing. And so... Once I hit that point where I go, actually, it's not a sign of weakness for me to be, I don't know what's going on. And then it develops even further where now you start to get gray hair, you get a long beard. People start to think you've been around for a little while. And now it's it's almost like this sign of like wisdom where you're in that space and you're like, I really don't know what we're doing today. So what do you guys think? And then people start to chime in. And then while they're chiming in, suddenly they're more involved and they're getting fired up. And, they're, and then it becomes... Everyone's invested. Family. Yeah, it yeah. becomes this family thing, you know?
5: Yeah. Y- you've also, I mean, we would talk about the importance of prep. Yeah. Um, and something you can leverage again on micro budgets is if you can find some people who do it for free. I we are producers that pay for prep though, by the way.
0: Nice, nice, nice. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you defend, I'm not shitting on you guys. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like you think there's a target on your head.
5: It was was like the opening of the podcast was like, so I fucking hate uh, producers and first ADs.
4: Shit, I'm on the wrong wrong couch, guys. Um, (laughs) No, we love you guys. Uh,
5: yeah. Yeah, But no, I, I think I think it's the, the you've only got so much time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I mean your hope is probably doing quite a few shoots a year ideally. You yeah, know, yeah, there's maybe lucky, one yeah, yeah. one feature that's your, your baby that year, but you know, you've only got so much time. So, you know, funnily enough the production designer came up with a really good idea for production design. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, I didn't mm-hmm. have to direct every yeah. single thing. Yeah, yeah. The heads of departments are are professionals for a reason and, and, and then that comes back around because you were saying you know like you know you'll have like day one is or your week one might be mm-hmm. your way to change your crew until you've got the right crew yeah <laughs> and that mm. that really much for us is it's is the value of saying right i trust this crew yeah. i mean like if we do what we're a crew now three gigs in a row that can pull off 16 pages if we have to that can come up with those collaborative ideas yeah. that will get it made and get it yeah. made to decent quality yeah. you know mm-hmm. so so now we can just relax and we can say well okay I have this amount of time I'm going to focus just on this and prep for this time yeah. and the, the, I know the rest is ta- getting taken care of and I think that's that's quite key. Yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah, I started to feel like the first like ten years of a film career. Basically, it's like not just you know like making shorts and short things to get the filmmaking chops, but also to meet your collaborators and to figure yeah. out the good yes. people. Yes, so mm. that when you go have the big project, you're like, cool. I already have it locked in. I'm just going to make a few calls, and we're good to go. Yes, yeah. Yeah. You, have,
6: you have you you work together, you drink together, you die together. Yeah, you know it, it, yes. the family the family thing is is the right way to put it. You know, it really is like you you are a family when you're working on that level. And like you know, although to us since we are producers. Uh we are, <laughs> Please don't we stop are, with that. Please keep going. Run runnin', yeah, running. We are runnin'. also uh, uh now I'm getting pissed. You guys could suck a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do I do also I, I do also direct as well. Like uh, I work yeah. in docs and I work in promo as well. Mm. And uh when it comes to like, you know, right when the, the ideas are getting born, you know, Dave's working with Ronnie and then the script comes into us and then we three work together to 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 tweak the script and look at the story and we're all working towards the same Role so like you know that we're very in on the creative you know because then yeah. you, you, you we're all so invested in in the art form and the direction and the story and the tone and where it's going to go yeah and then w- knowing the people that you've got around you then when you get into a scene you walk into a room and I'm like holy shit what has Gail the production designer done to this it's amazing room? it's amazing it's like mm-hmm. this is awesome right yeah. where do we go from here and then suddenly you just offer one so actually like you know we we were talking about how much the process of getting to the first day of the shoot was crazy difficult. Yeah. Actually the three days on set went without a hitch. Yeah. Like we moved so quickly and so well and like the 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 I'm getting goosebumps. Now thinking about that last sort of fifteen minutes. I mean we ran over by fifteen minutes, just fifteen minutes. But like everyone was so invested in there and we had this last shot to do. And as soon as we hit that final slate, like the buzz that rippled through that crew. Mm-hmm. Like we were just high on yeah. Yeah. nailing it. We knew we'd got something special in the can Everyone was elated, you know. Uh, Bobby uh, Rainsby who played uh, what, uh, the one of the characters, and you know, she her character is sinister. Mm. Like she, che- as soon as that thing came down, the smile that erupted on her face, you know, I'm very used to watching yeah. her being like pretty scary, <laughs> uh, and then suddenly just like totally opens up with this glow, and it's like you can just you can just see, you can just sense it. Yeah. It was a great moment. Ah, yeah. Dude,
4: those are the things that happen on my set where, like, because so many people on the crew have no idea what they're making, right? They just mm-hmm. show up for a day mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. And, like, scene by scene, people would be like, oh, I kind of like this. Like, I'm into this project. So by the Mm -hmm. end, there's this momentum and this, like, team camaraderie feeling. It was great.
0: I miss, Dude, and for me, I haven't been able to do a feature yet. Yeah. And so, like, there are moments, and I've now got to a point where I try to really love them when they happen. Mm -hmm. And, like, when we were doing our piece, we had a couple, but when I did uh, come home before that, I remember um, we ended up finding this talk about location changes originally it was supposed to happen in an apartment and we were, we shot this in Boston so we originally it was an apartment and I was talking to my girlfriend who's also a director and photographer and she goes I found this house it's really good she, she hates it when I use it make her voice in the show. <laughs> I found this house and it's it's very woodsy and I go well, what the fuck does that mean she goes it's wood woodsy a lot of wood and I go houses are made of wood what the fuck does a woodsy house trees made? yeah and she goes you should just go And so I show up to this house and it's this huge, like early, like uh, 1900s mansion, Mm -hmm. walk inside, like huge fireplace, like Guillermo del Toro vibes, just come into this Mm -hmm. place and it takes place during Christmas, like Christmas tree and like all fucking vintage furniture in the spot. And I called up my uh, DP and I said, "Ah, we had planned this for an apartment and I have all this room. He goes, why are you complaining? You have all this room. Let's use this really great fucking house. And so we're in this house we show up and we shoot for two days three days yeah i think it was three overnights and we do overnights well there's a blizzard that happens overnight Mm -hmm. so we're essentially snowed in so the whole crew is snowed into this house and we're shooting big fireplace really rad spot i use a lot of haze and atmosphere and smoke Mm -hmm. so very much hazed up so like you're in the space and you feel Mm -hmm. like you're there as you're walking through it and uh we break for lunch and i as an ad i fucking hate lunch because you get what happens right you show up on set everybody's trying to figure out their stuff you work for a few hours suddenly someone gets a shot then people start to celebrate you go, stop fucking celebrating let's continue we have the momentum then you find the momentum you get three or four setups in the can now it's fucking lunch time and everything shuts down right so we go into lunch and i remember i had this moment i've had a few of these where I walked in and there was this big ball, they had a ballroom here, it was very shining, and Mm. so we had set up all the catering tables in this ballroom, and I stepped inside, and I remember looking around, and all the crew, there was like laughter, and people were fucking like excited, and they were all there, and I got teary-eyed about it, and I just sort of stood Mm. there amongst all these people, and I was like, this is a fucking moment, Mm -hmm. and like I felt that moment and I knew enough and I've there's been a few times where I'm like they're going like all right This is what it's for. It's not for when people are on their fucking cell phone watching this thing later This is the moment do you guys feel that same way? Have you have those moments, and yeah. have you taken advantage? And do you regret not taking advantage?
4: We had I, well, one of the weird things about directing is like you feel you're like removed from all that. It's like a very lonely job. Yeah. you just watch everybody else go develop all these deep friendships. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I wish I had that, but I have to like go schedule something. Um, but there was a moment on my movie, and it's it's so mundane. It's going to be kind of boring. But mm-hmm. on our last day of the shoot, um, the actress had to walk down an alleyway, and I just watched and like. She and the boom op were just cracking each other up, and then the AC was getting in, and he's like, Oh, you got a little schmutz in your face, or whatever. And it was just like three people who don't like those roles don't normally hang yeah, out. Yeah, and yeah. on short films, like I'd only ever done stuff that was one or two days, and like you just can't get to that stage. You wish and you do, you're like, Fuck Yeah, how come on do a feature that? when you spent like a month together, like just all the most random relationships pop up and weird friendships. And like that same guy, the boom op, was. At our last festival and he came up and did the q a with us because we were like yeah man like you're a part of the family come on and so yeah i don't know it's just cool i wish i said
0: when we were at that moment on our short and i was just standing there with my my cinematographer came over and he goes can we do this for another three weeks yeah and i was like man how do we do this for another three weeks yeah yeah
1: yeah well when we were three days we were doing the three day part of it i think what you said there is like when you see the crew enjoying the process as much as you have been when you've been in your room you know on your own looking Mm. at everything being like i hope everyone else is excited about this as i am you know Mm -hmm. and i think from seeing it when you're when you see it going wrong on another shoot where the crew aren't happy about being there they're there for a paycheck they're kind of just no, that that's bad. But they just are like, yeah, whatever. Or they're on their phones looking at their next job, and they're not really caring about the one that they're on. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of tough. But when you see, um, like with us, like we left because it was in the middle of nowhere, and you'd have to drive actors back to different places. And our DOP was staying at the farm with the cat. The first day, so, you know, they were all staying actually at the location. And Danny was just, this is amazing. I'm going to stay up and get some cutaway shots of different like plates for certain things. And you just over them in. They were all just happy. I think Gail, production designer, was staying there with Matt in a tent in the field. They just wanted to be there. And um, it was just, it was just a great feeling knowing that you're leaving and, and people, Maddie was, there Maddie right was there staying there as well, doing the makeup. And it was just a really good sort of vibe. And you just want to go back to that. And when you have that, like, you know, that feeling you had when you walked in and everyone was in, you're like, I want this from every, for every job from now on. Which yeah, means when you yeah. find that group that are, it sounds a bit drama, it's like, go to war with you. But you kind of feel like you're going to battle. It is it's war, yeah. Not that we're, you know, that, but it's just, uh, um, yeah, it's just that feeling when it clicks. When it clicks and you've got it right, you're like, you don't want to change it again. You want to sort of stay with that team. Yeah.
5: Right. And, and there was, I had two favorite parts on the lure shoot. And one was filming and one was not filming. And the, the filming one, I wouldn't spoil it because it's near the end, but there was a, a, a sequence we got in a one and. Oh, yeah. You know, it was like chest bumps. You know, it's like, oh. Oh,
2: this is it. The, the one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, We've got this, come on, uh,
5: Which was great. <laughs> I know, I know what you're going to say. Um, <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but then then the other, the other my other favourite moment, on a par with that, was uh just, I think, was second day having lunch outside in the sun, which is rare in Scotland. Um, <laughs> and we're all just talking about our favourite sweets of candy and and, and, um, ice creams growing up and our gaffers from Carolina um, and we were talking about the different cultures and sweets growing up and stuff like that. that. That just like, I just loved it Tears. you know it was yeah. the most nicest thing. and then at the end of the shoot we got ice creams for everyone like you know and yeah, handed them yeah, out. And it was yeah. like just a little call back yeah. to that moment yeah. that. But I remember like,
4: on my shoot the first couple days like we'd break for lunch and people didn't know each other and they'd go off in their own little worlds and day five we were shooting in the desert and it was kind of hot so we had one easy up and it was the only shade so everybody just like went and we had lunch <laughs> in like a 10 by 10 space and it forced all of us to really talk and get to know each there other and I remember that being the moment on set where I was like, "This is going to go well." Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Mm. What about you, Lance? You having any of those moments?
3: Not with you. Uh, <laughs> 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 no,
2: failed. <we'll> failed. <laughs> the, the, the
3: biggest thing um, when early on, when I, I first started hanging out with Mike, I, I would say it was probably even maybe only like the second or third time we ever hung out um and we were somewhere having beers and just shooting the shit and you said to me the way that you i think i was asking you like how do you like get these teams of people together And you said the way that you pick is you who are the people that i want to go have a beer with yeah and that shit just stuck with me and everything i've ever worked on if there was ever a space where i got to be involved with making a decision or if uh even now if my my girlfriend produces if she asks talking to me about this person and i'm like do you want to hang out with that person though Is that someone that you feel like, you know, two things, two criterias. Do they absolutely fucking love the job that they're being hired to do? Because if they do love it, they're going to go the extra mile. You can't help it. You can't help it because you're so excited. You have other ideas and you want to try shit. And then do you want to hang out with them? So when in the beats between when you're just kind of standing there thinking or when the shit hits the fan and it's tough, is that somebody that you want to spend time with? Do you want to go over and talk to them? If something's going wrong with their thing, and you got to go talk to them. Do you feel okay about going over and doing that because i like them that's not going to be a hard conversation that's fine yeah you know it's those moments there man and and to me it's i can't think of anything
4: actually i do have one
3: i do have one i do have one okay so uh a few years back i got to do equalizer 2 um Mm. and there's this there was a denzel Washington. when he works he does a scene goes back to his his space right um, and I respect the space, um, I'm, my thing was I was sitting on the couch, I'm doing my scene, you know, the other guys, there's nothing really, any focus on me for the first few days, and then we get to the day where uh, I have this this big emotional scene, uh, and the director's like, you gotta fucking cry tomorrow, I was like, okay,
0: and the director yeah. is
3: Anton Antoine Fuqua, Fuqua yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, which was great, because like, we're sitting in, in the elevator, because I was like, cool, I'm done, get the fuck out of here, go to the, go to the car, I gotta go Uber, ah. and uh, it's just him and I never was to get a car tomorrow, we're putting you on the camera, you better fucking cry, okay, And so now we get here, we do the scene, everything goes well. Um, The scene also had no dialogue, so it's just like Denzel and I improvising everything. And he was so gracious and so much fun to work with. And like, whatever I threw, he gave it right back. Whatever he threw, I picked it up and go right back. Um, And then this one beat, when we finish all my coverage, we're done with that. And he comes and he sits down on the couch uh, that I'm on. And I was like, oh, fuck, he didn't go back to the room this time. I'm like, well, if there's ever going to be a moment to say anything, this is it. Um, and so I reached over to shake his hand out and he shakes my hand. And I said, Hey, I just want to say thank you so much. And he said, for what? And somebody starts calling him, you know, they, they ask him questions and I am like, fuck right. Let me just leave him the fuck alone. Right. Cause I'm just like the local hire and he keeps my hand there and I'm like, oh shit. And he goes, sorry, what were you saying? And I said, oh, I was just saying thank you because with the scene, you know, like I was really worried about, you know, being able to deliver. And he gives me this lovely talk about, uh, why I felt that way was because of having expectations. And we only have expectations because we think we're never wrong. And he laughs and gets up and goes away. And I thought, this was such a wonderful moment of meeting your heroes. Him imparting a gem. We had just worked together on this thing. That this moment went really well. This is also going to be like the fucking highlight of my career at this point. Um, and for him to be so gracious like that, I thought, you know what? It's lovely to see, even at this level, at his level, where he's the fucking movie star. Mm-hmm. That it can still feel like that. That it can still feel like, you know what? Right now, even though you're fucking Denzel Washington, of course I'd have a, fucking have a beer with you. In this moment... There is a deeper reason why. Yeah, I'd definitely go have a beer with you because this is a guy that I feel safe with, creating with, you feel secure with, and it should always It should all. You always want it to feel that way.
5: We we should hire this guy. Denzel was it? Yeah, Washington.
3: Washington, I think it is. Washington. And then he just broke your hand on screen, and you yeah. cried like a little lady. <laughs> yeah, I, I all my friends now that make fun of me watch they're like it's so. You're so great in the scene, but I can't help but laugh at the end because you scream like a little bitch. Like, That's my fucking job, all right. Fuqua told me I had
4: to. <laughs> Yeah. Did you also say that the one day they got you a car to set was, like, your emotionally intense day?
3: Uh, no, not a car to set, but it was, like, uh, the, the one day that like, they, um, that Fuqua had, like, just, like, let me know. that like, uh, yet, oh, tomorrow yeah, tomorrow's yeah. it. So and we're in the elevator. It's just him and I. I'm like, oh fuck. Yeah, so now yeah, I'm just standing yeah. there, and I, feel, I can just feel, like, his eyes on me yeah. in the elevator. I'm like, just don't look at him. Just don't look at him.
0: But I think your point, which is interesting to point out, right? So you're, yeah. you're a working actor, right? right? You've got hired. Yeah. On a uh, f- by a great director, yeah. you're not a background. You're mm-hmm. you know if tenzel uh, is going to break your hand, you're not going to get cut out of the movie. Yep. Right? They're not going to replace you from the film. And now you're getting a note from a uh, uh, well recognized uh, action film director yeah. that you're going to have an emotional scene, and then you leave delivery. the set and then go drive lyft right <laughs> oh yeah yeah i'd go i was driving uber at the time
3: so yeah, yeah. i was literally i would literally we lived in west massachusetts chicopee so i would drive an hour and a half like monday mornings 4 a.m i would drive to boston hour and a half um and th- which was great i used to i was so on top of all the podcasts then because i was like i got yeah, all this yeah. fucking time and then i would uh uber for the 12 or 14 hours that they allowed and then i w- had a spot in um uh, around jamaica plain where i parked the car i had my sleeping bag. I'd go to sleep in the front seat Five o'clock in the morning, I get up, tuck the sleeping bag away, drive for the next few hours, and then when it was the shoot happened, I just go, go fucking park on base camp, go into my trailer, get changed, go shoot, and then come out, go sleep in the car, get up, Uber next day, go back to set, and just... I was like, it was neat, and this is not the fucking winter time, so it's like fucking like 30, 20, 30 degrees, 20 degrees outside at nighttime, you're like... I was like it just is what it is just do we got to do, do but that's yeah. also why there's a strike yeah right? i was
0: just <laughs> gonna say yeah. i don't understand why they should lo- lower the minimum for health insurance what's saying yeah
3: yeah 20 26 grand uh, is a little wild yeah uh, man. man it's
0: ridiculous uh, but yeah man that's a great story dude yeah. yeah that's a great story man it's cool i forget how many people that you've worked with you worked oh, with him and then you, him, leo you had some ben days with DiCaprio, DiCaprio.
3: jennifer lawrence stanley tucci yeah. i'm working my way toward i, I make this joke that I'm like the infinity stones of oscar winners and i was like once i get five someone will sign me <laughs> <laughs> or if, if no one signs me i'm like the fuck are you talking about i've worked with five fucking academy award winners and nominees like yeah. i know what i'm doing just yeah, yeah. you know give me a couple auditions dude that was we'll great see. man
0: that's great i'm proud of you for all the work
3: thank you time, man. thank you man thank that's you very much
0: well gentlemen we're pushing the two hour mark oh. Yeah, I flew. Yeah, I flew. You guys have a good time. Yeah, this is yeah. great. Yeah, I love man. the process. Great. Yeah, oh, fuck off! <laughs> fuck off! <laughs> what was that? <laughs> oh, I love the
2: yeah. Fuck you! <laughs> uh, <laughs> all
0: right, so um, let's uh, talk about the movies here. So, uh, how's Lord doing? Like, where are you guys at? You guys just doing the festival thing for a while?
5: yeah so we're in a couple of festivals uh here in nightmares yep and we're in nightmares too we
0: were talking about that right. offline yeah. yeah
5: yeah um and yeah and then we're going to do another round of festival run st- domestic in europe yep. as well mm. um and throughout that journey we're going to be putting out some feelers about basically financing the the feature. So,
0: are you using this as a proof of concept? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, are you guys going to release this publicly or is it you're just holding on to it for the proof of concept? Yeah.
5: I suspect probably not, but let's. Yeah, yeah
6: I think the thing is, is like we don't want to, because the, because the feature is going to be an extension of the short, we don't want to give away the main twist by putting the short online mm-hmm. and then kind of. It's almost act, then acts like a trailer in a way mm-hmm. doesn't it so mm-hmm. we just I think we're, I mean we haven't really had that discussion and it's too early to really know what we're going to do with it but as soon as it, the main thing is getting that getting that first feature made hopefully getting into festivals in different territories so we can go out and meet people and make connections in those territories for sales and distribution see if we can fund the feature and then plan two and three
0: yeah I was going to talk because I, I forgot about this I was going to mention the proof of concept stuff so I've done proof of concepts multiple times now I did one for my big movie 12 cam which i don't know if you guys have seen that stuff um that one was about a russian drill team in the 1980s that dug the deepest hole known to man and we shot that one i did 30 minutes because prior to that i had done a marvel fan film for the punisher Mm. that i worked with this whole crew on oh what's this
1: you've released that one no okay
0: so i wanted to so what happened was i did a fan film um Uh, right around the time that the Dirty Laundry fan film was made Mm -hmm. with What's-His-Name, and I was like, wow, this is a great way in. Mm -hmm. So I made a fan film. We released a trailer and a teaser. It went viral on CBR, and they said it's better than anything Marvel's ever done. Disney hadn't bought Marvel yet. This was a while ago. And so we got the cease and desist letter. So I had Mm -hmm. an entire team, an entire crew work on this beautiful piece that no one could fucking see. Like, I couldn't put it out. And so... When we went back to the well with these folks Mm -hmm. and I was gonna do something like 12 cam, I said, I'm gonna do something that's long enough that we could screen so Mm -hmm. that you can show this off to friends and family and we'll make something bigger. It was a 30 minute piece, which fucked me on the festival submissions, right? So we got hosed on the festival shit. But what I did with that, it was a proof of concept for a feature. I shot that whole movie in Russian, by the way. I don't speak Russian. Nice. Yeah, it was crazy. So we did that um, and then, I had a friend of mine write an article on it, which went online, and she really loved it. And she said, uh, This is something that Hollywood should make. And all of the agents and managers, they have people that just read these specific websites. So then I got calls for that stuff. Nice. So then the piece that never got released ended up getting me signed to UTA and got my management. Mm-hmm. And then we went and pitched it, and it ended up in Ridley Scott's office. He loved it, and now they're producing the feature version of it, and that's been the story for it. So the proof of concepts really work. But what I did, I was never going to release the proof of concept publicly. But since I have a podcast, I'd be talking about it all the time, and Mm -hmm. people would hear about it. And so I had a lot of fans writing to me going, how can I see this movie? And so jokingly on the podcast, I said, kind of a dick, I was like, The only way you could see this movie is if you send me your three favorite horror movies and if i agree with you then i'll send you a link (laughs) that's nice that went viral a year ago and so it's been viral over and over in spain all over the place so i now in my inbox on instagram have millions and millions of messages from people that are like the thing the shining hereditary can i see your movie and so the way i'm showing it to people is that way the only way you can see it is if we direct connect which is awesome because now i'm building this whole fan base Mm. Around the piece, they get to see the piece, and they'll end
4: That's up. That's good. Are there three specific movies they have to get? It has to be, <laughs> be
1: three. Right, the exact yeah, order, the right, and then the you right send order, it.
4: Yeah. Right,
0: you have to impress me. <laughs> okay. Now, the the idea is that ultimately it's like if you give a shit enough to engage mm-hmm. yeah then you deserve because i don't like the idea of taking something that we all work so fucking hard
4: on and throwing it into the ocean that is yeah. youtube yeah that no one sees shit on and it proves that people are engaged and invested at least enough like want to know yeah, yeah they, they want, want it, it. Yeah. yeah It's cool
0: so that's what i've done with my proof of concept so i don't release my stuff online and then if there are fans that are really interested In that, you guys might want to consider something like that because you build your fans, and they won't give a fuck if they know the twist. They'll they'll be more happy that they're with you guys from like square one. Yeah, yeah, you know. Anyway. Thank you, fellas. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, so, this. Uh, if uh, folks want to know more about your movie, where should they go?
4: Yeah. Um, so, if you follow me on Instagram, um, Wander Adams, like roam around Adams. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, that's uh, where I just post everything. Uh, it'll probably, if everything goes according to plan, we're hoping to get distribution and be out in like the middle of next year. Yeah. Right now, FilmQuest is the only place where we haven't geo blocked our virtual screening. So this, like, two-week window is the only time that we know of where basically anybody can watch the movie anywhere.
0: Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. So there is an app or something. I don't want to advertise the app because they were supposed to sponsor the show and they didn't sponsor okay, the show. Well,
4: whatever this, film whatever Quest this app is. App is yeah, you you check watch American film, Meltdown, go check it out. Go
0: to film Quest website yeah, yeah. and find it on Quest website. Yeah. And then you guys.
6: So updates, we um, have a website for Nikki Ben, which is the the label that we're releasing the film through, and giving updates through that. So that's Nikki bencom Ben com, mm-hmm. uh, and there's going to be blog posts on there. And then we're on Instagram, which is underscore Nikki dot Ben underscore, uh, and we'll be putting some stuff up on there um, and linking to. Link when do you guys screen on Nightmares today? Uh, tomorrow, yeah, Sunday, eight o'clock. So if you guys are going to Nightmares,
0: be sure to check it yeah. out. That's where you'll see it. And then also keep your eye on the festival circuit. Follow you guys because if you guys are interested, I can't wait to see it. it. Sounds fucking awesome. So if you guys want to see it, you're probably gonna have to find it in the festival circuit, you know? Which is cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know what I mean? It's like that album that doesn't get released. Yeah. That's cool shit. Uh all right, gang. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being thank here. You, thank you. Thank you, Lance. You're very welcome. I'm gonna leave with a track that'll impress yes. you. And um uh lots more to come. Which is only day two of fucking ten or whatever that we're doing. Yeah. Um, our house is going to start filling up. We have more filmmakers coming and staying with us. It's going to get crazy. I think we're going to do some. Hot- you guys should have brought your bathing suits. We can all do a hot tub.
1: We don't need. We, we, we don't need bathing suits. Oh, okay. Scottish thing. It's it's Scottish thing. Is it's Scottish waiting. thing. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the local place for. Oh, you know, maybe we go yeah. to a record store and I'll blow yeah. some more money. That's all right. right all right. Stores. bathing suits
0: all right bathing well (laughs) lack of bathing suits balls and records i'm into it all right guys we'll leave you with a track thanks for listening to the show thank you again puget systems for making it happen and uh thank you everybody for being here thank you
2: Yeah.